Welcome to the Raptors Show on the Sports Radio Network. Sure, you find the Raptors Show where you listen to podcasts and subscribe, and please interview the show. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. I have co-host Blake Murphy to my left, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's been a few days since the Raptors have played, so we sure kind of ran out of ideas, and so as we do. By the way, hang on. You what? know it's only raining outside, not in the studio, right? Oh, this 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 jacket's too drippy to just wear outside. I need to wear it on camera as well. It is a good jacket, but thank you, uh, thank you. Yeah, it does look like you're ready for drips from the ceiling, not just a uh, drip on your shoulders. Well, you, you never know what's going to happen in the studio. People <laughs> just pop in and out randomly. You look good though. Thank you, man. Thank you. Um, yeah, so we're kind of out of ideas, at least for right now. So we decided to open up the Twitter mailbag. So really appreciate uh, everyone on Twitter doing our jobs for us and and, and sending in questions. So. The only uh, other thing we could ask, really, is if, if someone wants to fire a coach mid-show or make a trade yeah, mid-show again, sure. you have the green light from us. Bobby, I know you're picking up your kids probably right now. Actually, this is probably a little early for that, yeah, but who knows? Um, yeah, you know, just just go ahead and make a trade right now. Like, just just let us know. Maybe text uh, one of us. Uh, you probably know Blake better, but, you know, just text one of us and just let us know that we can uh, pit off of these. But no, but seriously, uh, we, we got a lot of great mailback questions, so I appreciate everyone who sent them in. Uh, we got quite a few, so we can't get to everybody, but I think we got the most um, topical ones. I went through about two hours ago now and just combed through some of these. And, uh, yeah, we will go as quickly as we can through some of these. Of course, as always, we got uh, an assortment of questions. So we got Raptors-specific questions about this team and this group. We have former Raptor questions because there's lots of those, and we continue to see OG and Pascal do well. Uh, both of them got wins last night in the association. Uh, we got Raptors adjacent, which is probably more off-court Raptors versus okay. like just like on the court. And then we got our regular miscellaneous questions uh, that, uh, yeah, we will get to. I know Jurgen Klopp was asked uh, a lot in my, in my <laughs> mentions and how I feel about Jurgen Klopp leaving, and the answer is, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm ready to quit sports for a while because uh, that's, that one's so devastating. But we'll start with some Raptors ones. Um, Blake, I'll throw this one at you. This one's from PK. Now that we have a clear stated direction for, quote, development this season, uh, see Darko's quote about not playing zone to allow for more man-to-man reps, et cetera, et cetera. How should we as fans be watching and responding to the team? It's hard not to expect wins after the last decade, but here we are. Yeah, uh, I mean, the real answer to this one, PK, is I'm not here to police how people are fans. Like, if you want to tune out, you can do that. Uh, You don't want to tune out the games that are on Sportsnet or on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You just maybe, like, have them on so the ratings are still there. You just pay a little less attention. Mm. Um, I think, in seriousness, like, you're probably a little... You're probably a lot less invested in the outcomes. And in the Tampa tank, we saw that people got really, really invested in negative outcomes. But this year, where the Raptors don't control their own pick, and even if they bottomed out as far as they can in the standings, we're talking about a 45 and change percent chance at keeping the pick. And then there's some debate as to whether keeping the pick is a good thing or keeping the pick is a, is a bad thing. Um, so there's a lot of personal preference involved in, in what happens the rest of the way. I think the couple of main things you're looking at Obviously, Scotty's development is the first thing you care about. How Emmanuel Quickly and RJ look around that. If, you know, post-deadline, I would hope there are some younger pieces getting opportunities. We might see Javon Freeman Liberty tonight. We've seen Jonte Porter. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe someone gets a, gets a shot from the G League uh, or you pick up a, another fringe prospect type at the deadline. What those guys look like, what that development is like, is the thing I care about the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't. I don't imagine after two weeks from now, anyone's going to care that much about the actual wins and losses. Uh, just what yeah. they signal about, you know, are things working? Are things moving in the right direction process-wise? Yeah. I, look, I think it's not going to be as bad as Tampa. 
uh, Tampa got to the point where it was like a whole bunch of healthy guys were sitting out, which was frustrating but understandable. Um, and then by the end, it was like I, that game 82 or whatever game it was, the final game of the season. I forget if that season was shortened. I don't think so. It's so probably game 82. It was game 72. Game 72? Okay, there we go. And it was like, I don't know, in, on August, which was weird okay. too. We're, we're going to do this right now. We're yeah. going to do a little uh, Tampa trivia. Okay, good, good. I'm ready for this one. Okay, so in that game, they, first of all, they lost to Indiana, yep, yep. Uh, who were a bad team as well. Mm-hmm. O'Shea Brissett dropped a 30-piece on them <laughs> after having been cut in camp that year. Re- how many putbacks is that? Damn. He only had one offensive rebound that wow. game. Wow. Yeah. Hey, sorry, 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 O'Shea, my bad. Yeah. Uh, you know who else had, had a, an appearance in that game, which is really funny to think back on now? Uh, Gogo Batadze at the end of the season, oh, just yeah. like trying to stick for the Pacers. Right. Uh, but the Raptors only played six players mm-hmm. in yeah, this game. Yeah. They dressed seven, but one of them didn't play. Yeah. Of the six players who played, three of them were centers, and they yeah. played at the same time Oh yeah, at one point. So can you remember the six players who played? Okay, so the three centers were Ken Birch, Freddie Gillespie, and Aaron Baines. Aaron Baines functionally played three for a lot of that game. 14 like, and 10 off the bench They had three threes. I remember watching that game and just laughing, like, deliriously because they had him coming around, like, pin downs and stuff and catching and shooting off the move. Yeah. It was amazing. At, like, out of timeouts. Like, that was a direct play that they called. Kem took three three-point attempts and had four assists in that game, which I'm not going to look it up, but those got to be close to career highs. Yeah. Um, the guards were Malachi and I hope uh, Jalen Harris got in. Nope. Jalen Harris didn't even get in. So, DeAndre Bembry played. Yeah. And then the last forward, I mean... I'm going to guess like Stanley Johnson. Yeah, Stanley okay. Johnson had 24, 5, and 7. 24, 5, and 7. Yeah, but he shot, he shot 33% and 25% on three. He had a, he had a, he had a Ben Uzo triple-double, basically. Yeah. Wow. So, I don't, okay, anyway, my point is it's not going to be that bad. No. Because you're already starting with, you're still going to see Scotty every game. You're still going to see RJ every game, quickly every game. Compared to the Tampa thing, it's not that level, right? So, it's, it's more of like, yes, they're not going to like win games, nearly as much, but it's not going to hit the lows that I don't think that those have already happened. I, mean, I think look the other at this, thing too is just like, the six guys hit lows. They lost to the Pistons. Yeah, and the six guys we just named, Malachi was someone you thought would be a piece of the future, and that yeah, was worth watching. Sure. But he's not like a franchise player. You were like, maybe he could mm-hmm. be a rotation guard. Freddie Gillespie was a successful 10-day contract that was on a deal where it was like, yeah. maybe he could stick. Like his, They had to cut him by summer league if he wasn't going to stick around. Right, right. That's the level that we're talking about. And Kem, Aaron Baines, DeAndre Bembry, and Stanley Johnson, everyone knew they weren't a part of the future. At least this year, you're evaluating yes. pieces that are clearly a part of the future in a couple of cases and then clearly trying to be a part of the future in a couple other cases. Exactly. Yeah, so it's not going to be consequential. But, I mean, listen, I, I, I totally sympathize with the idea that because it's something I feel too – the last 10 years, we've had nine winning seasons. Yeah. So you need to, like, you, you do need to sort of, like, a, a adjust, a, apparently, which is uh, it's difficult. Anyway, Aiden, next question from Aiden. Do you think RJ's production is sustainable? So RJ is shooting 56% from the field and averaging over 20 a game. Um, Blake, is this sustainable? Yeah, the 56% from the field is not, but the way he's played, the counting stats, I think are fairly sustainable. Like we've seen RJ be a 20-point-a-game guy. You know, his three-point percentage is at 38% right now. 
maybe that doesn't stick around, although he's had a season at 40%. Mm. But I think the more important thing is the way RJ's offense is coming about is something that absolutely makes sense within the context of this team. He's scoring in transition and being a big part of that identity. He's working on the second side of the floor and really attacking, you know, late closeouts, attacking mm-hmm. seams in the defense, things like that. It, it's a little less stationary catch and shoot than he was doing in New York and a little less the ball swings to you and you've got to create something one-on-one. It's a yeah. lot more flow of the offense stuff. Um, I, I would guess the efficiency is going to come down. I just don't think, you know, 56%. 56 from, is high. Yeah, yeah especially when, like, you're not an elite finisher. And he's he's finished at I a don't great... Know. He's been a good finisher, I feel like. He's at 75% as a Raptor, finishing at the rim. He's okay, at okay. 61% That's, for his right. career. Okay, okay. All so, right. like, even though he, he should be better than 61% for his career, he's very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was at, like, 64% last year, 62% with the Knicks before this season. So, like, he he's capable of doing that. But 75% is crazy. Um and then, like, even the mid-range is up around 50%, which probably settles into, like, the mid-40. So there will be, like, little things that that dip the efficiency. But um, I, I think where his scoring stuff is coming from is entirely sustainable. The one thing that I would like to see come from it a little bit more is I think he's shown nice flashes of passing more than he got to in New York, and I think mm-hmm. that can go higher. I agree. So if, if yeah. the scoring efficiency dips off, I think he can actually make up for that by being even more of a playmaker. So this is what I like. Um so since joining the Raptors, uh, RJ, I think it has taken 170 total shots. 110 of those have come within five feet of the basket. It's a good right? way to live. And so that's exactly what you want to see from him. He's getting downhill a lot. Two out of those 170 are from mid-range right now. He's literally one for two. Um, but the most important thing is he's only taking two mid-range. Um, he's not even taking long, like, or second box jumpers, what what uh, what David Thorpe likes to describe them as. The three-point shooting, whatever. I mean, even having seen him like warm up and stuff like that, like he's inconsistent even in warm-ups. Yeah. So that's going to come up and down. He's going to go through stretches where he's cold. He's going to have some stretches where he's good. That's going to settle in where it is. But as long as he's keeping that rate high, whereas for guard, he's consistently shooting at the rim, I don't see why his shooting percentage can't be, you know, in the 48 to 50 range, considering you're pretty much only taking basket shots. Yeah, you know, I, so. I think that's that's a reasonable expectation. He didn't shoot that well in New York, but again, more volume uh, of three in New York than maybe he'll he'll need to take in Toronto. Um, Toronto's going to emphasize the transition game more than New York did, obviously under Tibbs, where that that's not as big a priority. So yeah, uh, I, you know, I, I thought I saw this theory too, and I'm I, it makes sense to me, but I want to ask you as well. So the Knicks obviously had Julius Randle, who's a lefty, mm-hmm. um, Jalen Brunson, who's a lefty as well, and especially I think in the case of Randle. Don't they kind of occupy in the same spots? Because if you want to, if you want to essentially get him going downhill, you probably want him on the left side so that he can, or on the right side so that he can, he can dribble, attack middle, attack middle with his left hand and finish strong like that. Now that RJ is in a spot where I guess there's not as many lefties and the floor maybe is more open, whatever, can that contribute to him being more efficient too? Maybe a little bit. I, I think more than the lefty thing, it is that him and Randall would occupy similar spaces. Okay. Um, yeah. And the one other thing about lefties that crossed my mind when the Raptors were playing RJ Thad and Jonte all at the same time because they had three lefties in there is if you if your three best scoring options as the Knicks are lefties you know we've joked a little bit about how sometimes RJ being a lefty or anyone being a lefty catches defenses off guard you just like it it, you just space on it for a second and you're so used to 70% of guys you you are sending left or whatever if 
a team's top three scorers are all lefties. That's probably the number one thing on your defensive scout, right? Absolutely. Is, yo, everyone's lefty. Everyone's lefty. The the floor's inverted. And maybe now you get a little bit more advantage of that. I, I think it's probably only a small thing. The mm. occupying the same spots as Randall is probably a bigger component of that. And it's probably why the Knicks had RJB, the guy who came off first and then came back in to help yeah. with bench units to separate him and Randall out a little bit. Right. Also, the Knicks look awesome, by the way. Yeah. They just destroyed the Nuggets yesterday, man. Like, they just beat them from start to finish kind of deal. Yeah. And, um, They're yeah. real good. OG. What's this plus minus last night? It was like plus 30-something. It's like, it's so <laughs> comically high Hold on, for I the season. Because I, I was watching, like, parts of the game. I eventually got to the point where it was like, it was such a blowout. I didn't even want to watch it anymore. But it's so, I mean, honestly, the Knicks have been so impressive to watch, man. OG, six steals last night. Going up against Jokic. He wasn't guarding Jokic. He was guarding Murray. But he also really kept the lid up. Yeah, Murray shot 3 of 11 for, in 30 minutes. Jamal Murray. So OG really blanketed him. OG plus 38 in this game. Plus 38. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, yeah, made three threes. You know, a whole bunch of pick sixes for dunks. Yeah, everyone's loving uh, our former Raptors. The OG pick six. It's yeah. great. Yeah. You know, you know what? Now and the that- Pacers actually won a game. And the Pacers won a game. So, you know, let's get to those. So I, I mentioned we had some okay. former Raptor-specific questions. This one comes from Patrick. Please explain how is it that OG is a star in New York with a bigger role and a payday to come. Pascal Siakam had a triple-double in Indiana and said, quote, I want to make this home about Indiana. While Precious plays 23 minutes, yet this couldn't work in Toronto. P.S. Tyrese Halliburton is 23. Yeah. So, so the, the Tyrese part of that is, I, I assume a when you talk about the timeline questions with Pascal and Scotty and that Tyrese is only 18 months older than Scotty. Like, mm-hmm. is it, is it that big a difference? Uh, and I mentioned this in an article recently of like, if Scotty jumps to the Tyrese level next year, maybe you're in the exact opposite position <laughs> yeah. next deadline. Um, sure. And that's going to dictate a lot of it. Now, as for why this didn't work in Toronto, um, yeah, it is. I mean, it just wasn't working. They lost to the Pistons. It's part of why they dragged it out, though, yeah. right? It's part of why Masai had the patience to run it back is if everyone is offering you a lot for your players and mm-hmm. everyone thinks your players are really good, how could you not in the back of your head be like, well, what, what if we keep it together and they're good? Mm-hmm. Um, now, they did that a little too long and a little too far, but it is kind of a curiosity that you had OG and Pascal and Fred and Jakob and Scotty um, at different points and and together for some small stretches and it just didn't click. Now, some of that owes to fit. Some of that owes to there were just like guy in, then a guy out, guy in, then a guy yeah. out. Just, it just didn't work out. The answer to the precious part of this is he's precious Achua. And the first like eight games he played with the Knicks, Knicks fans wanted a, a refund. They, they mm. wanted store credit. They were like, yeah, hey, yeah. could we could we get Jordan Wara and you just take precious Achua Honestly, back, redo that trade of player exception? I do that. Um, trade, and now he like looks like he's a guy for them. I know he only had two points last night, but, no, but he, he was great on the on the glass. He was yeah. getting offensive rebounds. He's playing his, in his role way more than in, than he was in Toronto. So, now, but this is also like, it's only been like, I think four games that Precious has been doing yeah, this yeah. after a bunch of games where no, but, he looked like he, you know, didn't, didn't have a fit there. So all I'm saying is that the answer to the Precious to yeah. part of it is he's Precious to Chua and it's probably going to go back the other way at no, some point. Look, listen, we know, we know that he's got like a bad play in him, <laughs> you know, but I think it's also you're at a new company. Like you're on your best behavior for, for at least a probation period <laughs> until, until you your benefits. benefits hit. Yeah. <laughs> So in Precious's case, that would be like if he, until he gets his next contract, he's played well. Like he really has. Yeah. I wonder when, like they eventually do get fully healthy, are they going to be using him as much? But he's he's sliding well. I think context is such a big part of this, right? Like OG in New York, the whole team plays super physical. 
There, there's way more space on the floor. There's not an onus for OG to create his own offense as much. And then you just also see when you jump into a winning environment, like how much that sort of spurs a guy onward. You see OG, like he's yelling, like he's yelling and celebrating. And like, he, it, it's like a different guy almost. Like it's still OG. We recognize him, but he's so vocal. The whole team has an incredible swagger right now. The Knicks, like OG looks like a different guy. And then Pascal definitely is in a situation where there's so much spacing. Like he's playing alongside a floor stretching five. It's easy for him to play now in space. He's playing attacking one-on-one. And of course they haven't even won that much yet. They're one and three with him, mm-hmm. but that's without Halliburton in for a lot of that. So I, I think it's just, yeah, the, the, the team fit in Toronto clearly wasn't working. You just have to refer to some of the earlier games. Yeah. Um, you know what? Let's, let's stick there. Cause the next Raptors question, <laughs> specific question is kind of depressing. Um, this one from Bob Loblaw. Oh yeah. Uh, from his law blog. Yes. Blah, 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 blah. There you go. Uh, from the era where blogs were still a thing. Um, harder to watch the Raptors really struggle, or is it harder to watch OG and Pascal thrive on other teams? Harder to watch the Raptors struggle. I'm happy yeah. the other guys are playing well Same. on other teams. Uh, you know, one, you you get to know those guys and get to root for them. I want to see them have success. It gives you a rooting interest in these games that don't involve the Raptors the rest of the way. Um, I don't know. Those are your guys. Mm-hmm. Like, it would be... Those are Raptors. Like, like, those are career Raptors to me. Yeah, yeah, like, if Precious suddenly was a 30-minute-a-game starter for the Knicks and was unbelievable, yeah. that I would understand being like, what the heck? It's not yeah. fair that that didn't happen here. OG and Pascal, Dude, they, we know who they, are, they man. were very good Raptors, and I will want them to have success up until the point the Raptors see them in the playoffs at some point deep, deep in the future. Yeah, and for Pascal specifically, I want Pascal to have success, and I want the Pacers to lose so our pick is better. But that's a different thing altogether. Yeah, <laughs> but you don't want them to lose too much because it's top three protected. So you don't want you want them to lose, okay. but then not do too good in the lottery. So. This is becoming a, a America Ferrara's uh, rant and Barbie now. Yeah, uh, it's just, or honestly, it's going to get further to the, like if we get down to the play-in tournament and the Pacers are in the play-in, not the playoff, and then the Raptors pick is also in up in the air because of the draft lottery, like mm. there are going to be so many scenarios to play out where like the Raptors have two picks in the lottery, the yeah. Raptors have no picks in the lottery, the Raptors have only one pick in the lottery. It's uh, I miss the good old days where it was just a pick is a pick, you know, yeah. you get their pick, that's it. But I mean... Uh, front office has gotten smarter. Um, okay, speaking of front offices, this one, actually, I forgot the name. I'm sorry. But uh, the question is, can you shed some light on the front office slash ownership dynamics around the pressure to fill seats and maintain fandom while knowing that there's going to be a multi-year grind ahead? Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, honestly, the answer to this one is we'll see. Uh, I have mentioned on air before that the Raptors' attendance right now is the lowest it's been since Masai took over, basically but they are still at over 99% capacity. We haven't seen an impact on ticket sales yet. We haven't seen an impact on attendance yet. I, I do think we've seen an impact on how loud and invested the crowds are, but the seats are still sold and there are people in the seats. So I mean, people are going to go loud for losing against Memphis. Yeah, I'm sorry. exactly. Like, um, so that that's a thing to consider. You know, certainly there's going to be a trickle down with like merch and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. they're they're just, I, I don't know, actually, maybe everyone has to replace their Pascal and OG jerseys. So yeah. uh, merch gets a boom. But um, this is a kind of a multi-year question, right? Like I, I think we're going to see, I think it's a couple weeks from now that the season ticket renewal notices go out. Mm. And we'll see because those... There's inflation in those every single year. And I'm curious, Dude, you know, how much they increased our prices again. They probably will, but like that's just bad. So business. what I'm what I'm curious about is bad is business. that like 
a 5% increase instead of a 15% increase. Is, is there an acknowledgement of that? Um, you, you're allowed an inflation amount of a bump. Like you can get like your typical 3%, 5% type of thing to deal with inflation, yeah. but it cannot be another 15 to 20% bump no. that everyone got coming into this year. And whatever, I know a lot of the fans are like, well, I don't care. Why do I care about these like season ticket holders? They got enough money to spend a lot. Like, honestly, it does matter to them and it matters to the business. And like, well, it also matters to you as a fan if you're purchasing on the secondary market because that's how. Sure. The people who I operate mean, on the secondary market, like what percentage of Raptor fans are even in the building, though? Like, no, I know, yeah. but this is like, and I and I've gotten questions like this one's more about the business and the pressure to win, mm. but I've also got some questions about like, will this open up a chance for like more fans to get into the building because the price point comes down? And I think the the answer is unfortunately the price point's not coming down. Yeah, like it, it's maybe it it hits the secondary market and things like that, and those ones come down. Mm-hmm. But it's not like the people who buy season tickets and put them on secondary markets are happy to take like a, a loss below face value. Like those. Oh yeah, you're gonna have to grind that down to tip off time to to get those discounts. Um, I don't know how much we're supposed to talk about the secondary market on air, but uh, because uh, yeah, it's you not a great thing. But speaking of the secondary on market on air, and this is uh, something that is completely anecdotal, but I remember for the. <laughs> <laughs> for the Memphis game, um, typically I, I, I leave the arena about like 7.15, like 15 minutes before tip-off, go to Union Station, buy some food and bring it back in and whatever, right? Um, so I'm, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm outside of the arena, but at the arena at 7.15. And I hear a guy, you know, so, someone scalping essentially, being like, yo, half off, half off, half off, half off. And nobody was talking to that guy, man, so... It's got to be tough. In <laughs> That's this, anecdotal, though. That's anecdotal. In this technological era, it's got to be tough to be like a physical, uh, yeah. you know, physical sales at, at the spot. Yeah. Like, I just, I guess I don't know that many people that would go to a game and be looking to purchase secondary market there versus just, just doing it online. I guess I'm in it indirectly saying that it, it might be possible to get yeah. a half off ticket. Yeah. Maybe even less than half, to be honest. Um, but there, look, there hard. will be a pressure at some point, And if season ticket renewals drop off, that will be mm-hmm. a point that gets noticed if there are... But, you dude, know, if you're going to tank, you should not be raising tickets prices. No. You could do either. But like you should, is, If you want to win, raise ticket prices and your winning product, whatever. It is part of the package. But, like, if you're intentionally going into the tank, no, I mean, that's but, just bad business, man. What are, you, is, what are you saying? You're just squeezing your customer. But this is capitalism, and I'm just telling you I would not expect right. a significant i would not expect a change in the price point mm-hmm. that reflects the change in competitive direction for a team at least not to that degree well i'm i'm, I'm saying as a just as a person uh that's not right uh okay ne- the la- next question then this one from jeff over under of 10 wins the rest of the way for the season so the raptors have 38 games remaining do they win more than 10 games so they're 16 and 28 now yeah Okay. So they're so on pace for more than 10. Yeah. Yeah. But they also had uh, at least more, you know, win now players. Yeah. They also uh, are about to start a, a tough six game road trip. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a couple cheapies. Like they've got a couple against the Hawks left, three against the Nets. I think they got some Hornets on there. Magic have come back down to earth. They got the Wizards late. Mm. Uh,. The fact that we're waffling on this is wild, man. Yeah, I'm I mean, going mean, to yes, take but, the over, yeah. but uh, I don't feel super confident about it. Yeah. The, uh, I think the thing that makes me lean over is that uh-huh. because of the because of the way the standings look right now, there's a, there's not going to be... First of all, front offices tank, like teams, like the players themselves are not tanking mm-hmm, anyway, mm-hmm, yeah. um, but there's just like 
you're not going to catch up to Detroit, Washington, San Antonio, Charlotte oh, in, yeah. the, in the loss column. You're just not going to be those. Those teams are not going to win the 20 games. This for, for those teams, the question is, are they going to win 10 games the whole season? Like Detroit, for example. Yeah, Detroit's on fire right now. Though. They won like two of the last 12. Oh, Toronto that actually is on fire around. for them. No, yeah. we really did, man. That's tough. Okay, yeah, I, I still taking it over, but yeah. uh, I, I've not had to, to to answer a question that dark. How about a more positive one? This one from Matt T. Um, what's your favorite moment of the season so far? Huh. That is uh, again the fact that we're waffling is tough. Come on, man. Uh, Come on. I'm trying to I'm trying to think here. Um, there have obviously been some positive. There's been some really good Scotty fourth quarters. Yeah, that um, fourth quarter against San Antonio was pretty sick. Plus overtime. Yeah, uh, I'm going to come back against Washington. I think I'm. I you? think I'm going to go with the New Year's Day win against the Cavs. Because okay. it was right after the trade, and yeah. RJ and Quickly were announced that day, and everyone mm. was so excited, and the, it looked good on the court, yeah. and everyone was like happy, and and the vibes going and stuff like that. Okay, uh, coming out of the holidays too. I don't know that that was probably the high water mark for me game wise. Mm. Uh, I don't know if there's anything off court that I'm missing, but I don't think so. Off court, I mean, like uh, there's obviously some really sweet moments, like for example, um, Darko's initiative that he's announcing. Mm-hmm. That he's donating money to charity, and, and that's awesome. Um, that the bike ride that they did in LA was cool. Yeah, that was cute. Darko's rant, honestly, Darko's rant might be like number one right now. <laughs> it's up there, man. And then like Darko's look, rant was early sick. in the season before everything started to shift to trade talk, like yeah. there were like a number of big Scotty fourth quarter performances. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah. like yeah. Scotty, like Bucks, Scotty big picture is probably the answer, but yeah, that's not sure. a moment. So yeah, I'm gonna go with the New Year's Day win when okay. Uh, yeah, fresh eyes on on the the new product and stuff and, mm. and the new pieces and uh, yeah, maybe the last time they sniff a pizza party too. Oh, do it, do I'm not gonna lie, Darko was in a lot of these because I, I I you know I mean whatever. Right, we asked him about the thing yesterday. He yeah, was yeah. like, look, it's not about me paying for food. It's yeah. about the camaraderie, and he's looking forward to the three wins as well. Um, I was not gonna put aside the joke, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's been a couple of Darko moments yeah, that I really enjoyed. Let's uh, quote wise. Scotty Barnes. There we go. It's uh, <laughs> run that whole clip. <laughs> it's Don't. great that we'll have the 2024 2025 season to mm. look forward to for that three game winning streak. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> that, that that's a good sub question to that person who asked if they're going to win over under 10 games. The rest someone of the year. actually did ask, are they going to win three in a row? Yeah. This uh, Trevor on, on Twitter asked, does the, does the Raptors pizza party happen within this calendar year? So, oh, calendar year, yes. Like if you're yeah, yeah. if you're counting the start of next season, by the end of this season, it gets tougher. So your easiest three game stretch remaining mm-hmm. is like just by quality of competition is the first three games of this road trip. And so the, right away, you're like, well, three in a row on the road is tough. Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, mm-hmm. none of those teams are awful, but you don't really have many pockets. Um, like you get, you have Charlotte and San Antonio and Brooklyn and Atlanta all coming up, but there's never three of those in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a, a good team sprinkled in with all of those. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's t- you do have you have Detroit, Orlando, Orlando, Sacramento. Maybe that's your window. You've got Wizards, Nets, Knicks Ooh. as a three set. Oof, I don't know. I know uh, that's the OG returning game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's in late May, March. Damn. Yeah. So these these are this is what you're looking at, man. It's there is really not a like you've got Wizards, Pacers, Nets late. Mm. There are a lot of you're you're gonna win a lot of two game win streaks uh, the rest of the way. Yeah, it's really gonna be that Serge Ibaka video where he's tempted to to, to grab a slice of pizza pizza and he doesn't. <laughs> uh, 
All right, well, let's leave with one miscellaneous one at least. Actually, let's, let's leave with two miscellaneous right. ones. Um, okay, this one from Assad, friend of the program, of course. Uh, thanks for the ride home after the Grizzlies game, by the way. Um, Bulbasaur, Charmander, or Squirtle? Which starter Pokemon are you taking from Generation 1? Okay, so this is uh, Stephen A. Smith answered this uh, on air today. Is the, yes. is the I have to kick this one back at you because I was not a Pokemon guy. I, no, uh, no, no, but that, here's the thing. No one wants to hear me from me because I've, I've given this many times. Um, and really, there's no wrong pick. I just want to hear from you. Just get off the vibes alone. All right. Off well, the vibes alone. I'm going to go with, with Bulbasaur then because okay. I'm going to go with the like undersized thick mm. Pokemon. Okay. <laughs> Give me like, like he's going to be, he's going to be in the post defending much bigger yeah, Pokemon yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Just okay. based off his look. I don't, I don't know much about the. Uh, no, it's, that's a good pick. There's, uh, there's actually no wrong pick here. They're, they're all pretty great, but, um, I'll, I'll let you know that Bulbasaur evolves into Ivysaur. Which is what I think about every time I watch a Pistons game when Ooh, Jay Ivysaur, and, Ivy yeah. and Asar Thompson he, are together. He's yeah. questionable to play because <laughs> Ivysaur. Yeah. Also limited offensively, just yeah. like Ivysaur. Ooh, um, I'm enjoying all the banter. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I missed that drop so much. And then the other one from Sahal, the other member of my group chat. Uh, what's up, Sahal? Uh, longtime listener here. Each of you, please rank your top three childhood snacks of all time. Ooh. Yeah. All right. Uh, I probably put Dunkaroos at number one. Dunkaroos, yeah. Dunkaroos, all right. Out of flavor, did you like the sort of just cream a one? plain chocolate? Plain chocolate. Yeah. Okay. I'm chocolate a very Dunkaroos. plain dessert guy. Okay, I just like what? What? Like, what, what give what, me what, a what chocolate chip cookie, okay. like over fancy dessert, like all these places that do like really fancy, elaborate, like yeah. seven dollar donuts. I'm like, can I have like a plain donut? Wow. Yeah, I'm. I don't a, know about that. I'm man. a boring dessert person. Wow. Okay. Uh, chocolate so that's Dunkaroo. number one. All right. Yeah. What do you? Uh, what do you got? So my number one snack of all time is a very Asian one, but they're uh, they're like little rice crackers. So like they're like a little sweet, a little salty rice cracker. They're circular. They got like little white spots on them. Pretty great. Love rice crackers. What are they? They're just called rice crackers. They uh, don't have a, or they have a name. Whatever they even called, man. They're like Wong Wong rice crackers or okay. something like that. Yeah, people know what this is. All right. Yeah. Uh, do, you have, do you have two more or no? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've got lots. Look at the size of me. I obviously enjoy a snack. <laughs> oh, no, come on, man. Uh, I obviously come enjoy on. a no, snack. No, that's not even true, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so. I'm going to give. Trying, uh, actually, you know what? It was, so, uh, this is maybe not a top three, but like it, for nostalgia of childhood purposes, there is a, a snack called a caramel log. Which a uh, caramel log? Yeah, it's so you can All go right. into the you know the bulk barn at College Station. Yeah, yeah sure. So I yeah. I have gone in there before because I I live close to there. Yeah, and um. You can get them in there, and they're all, like, from the 1980s and so stale, and they break apart the second you bite them. <laughs> yeah. But when I was a kid and I would go visit my family in Newfoundland, uh -huh. and I would be able, like, my, my grandma would, like, send me to the store or whatever. My, my family in Newfoundland lived on, lives on this tiny little island where, like, a kid can walk around by himself and go to the grocery store. It's fine. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Remember when candy bars yeah. were 10 cents? I could just rollerblade around walk. the whole island. It, like, literally, like, Coke came in the little bottle, the little glass bottles <laughs> oh, there. Oh, wow. Okay. And stuff. All right. Um, but like that was like it was like a ten cent bar at the store or whatever. So I have like a nostalgic thing about those. Okay, nice, nice. Um, I like this. I don't. I can't tell because the only time I've tried it in the last like ten years is like these stale ones at the bulk barn. Uh -huh. So I don't know if it was actually good when I was a kid or it was just like the cheapest bar at the store. Yeah. Is uh, it, so is, that's is why it this? I, the orange packaging. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You can get like, them on it, Amazon it, it now. Even looks, doesn't it even look stale in the in the Google search? Yeah. This this looks like a, a prop for like, you know, a 1960s kind of show. Um, uh, honestly, there is a yeah. there is like a 60s or 70s based 
Newfoundland show on I think CBC or CTV now called Son of a Critch. And it's about oh, like yeah, a, yeah. the guy, the comedian who wrote it grew up in like small town Newfoundland. Mm. Uh, I think he's a little older than my dad. So it's like a little further back than sure. that. Um, but yeah. Wow. That's a that's a good that's a great pick, caramel log. I I don't think I want to try it, but I appreciate I'm your gonna, story behind I'm gonna it. get you. Yeah. I'm gonna go to Bulk Barn on the way to the arena later and get you the stalest you chocolate bar you ever had in your life. I would love to be munching on a caramel log as I watch Kawhi Leonard. They couldn't dream come up with a better name jumpers. than that either. Yeah, that sounds like an uh, you know an analogy can, for can a you two. Yeah, <laughs> can you describe this? Game? I don't know. It's like a log of caramel. Got it. We got the name Don Draper on the yeah. on this screen. Yeah. All right. The only other pick I'm going to give is uh, this is unhinged, but truly was my favorite snack as a, as a teenager was. So you can get a pack of instant noodles, um, not the cup, like in the bag, and instead of like cooking it, which you can obviously cook in like five ten minutes, you can also just like take out the flavor pack. Pour the flavor salt into the pack and then just crunch up the noodles. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you got little noodle bits. What's like that's like a little salty. Like yeah, yeah. I was broke all through university. I, oh, I yeah, know yeah. all about you know this, this game. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you know this one. Yeah, you yeah. just get like a flat of noodle packages. Yeah, a two four package. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously, my parents used to drop that off all the time when I was yeah. in university. I was depressed, but uh, yeah. But it, some, it sometimes you just can't <laughs> walk all the way to the kettle in the common room. Sometimes you yeah. just need to eat it dry. Okay. First off, that's. I have never made instant noodles just with the kettle like that, like okay. on purpose. Like I, if if at all possible, I'm putting it into the pot, putting an egg in there, you know, cutting some green onions okay. at, at bare minimum. I, uh... <laughs> yeah, look, uh, I don't know what your dorm was like. I'm not chopping onions in my uh, in my dorm at Queens. Certainly not. Uh, I don't even know. know if we had a communal fridge. Like I, I can't yeah. remember ever trying to cook in. Like the dorm common room. Why do they do that to university students, by the way? Because I, I, my, now I'm thinking about it. My dorm was exact same thing. We had like, uh, first off, two people in one room. Mm-hmm. Um, we had like a mini fridge. Shout that, out to Reed, my my year one roommate, Reed. Okay, yeah, shouts to Alan. Yeah. You know, I'll see you at the wedding later this uh, summer. Um, but yeah, like two people in the room, a one tiny like mini fridge that can only hold like probably like a two four, which is probably what it's designed for. Yeah. Uh, and then if you actually needed to use the kitchen, you would, I remember you have to like go to the bathroom for water so you can like boil water if you needed to in the room. This or is a shame. This is a shame. It really is. And then you go downstairs to the first floor and there's like a little tiny kitchenette okay. but for like 50 people who live there. Okay. And so we, had a, ever we had a kitchenette on each floor and it was like, okay. there was a TV right. in there and like a couch. It was like, the, it was called the common room. And sure, like, yeah, there yeah. was like enough counter space that like, yeah, you could do a okay. bottle of noodles or something like that, but you couldn't cook anything other than like, I just never seen nobody cook in there. No. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Wow. So what'd you do? They just go to the, the yeah, ca- I had a meal calf? plan. Oh yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't very good, but it was, uh, yeah. Hey man, shouts to on East. that broke boy life. When you, uh, when you uh-huh. can get a meal plan that a, uh, it's all you can eat. It's just like, it's not a, it's not like a dollar amount. It's just yeah. like you swipe in and you go. And also security is really bad for like what you're loading up your backpack with oh, on the way man. out. Uh, it was very, very important to oh, me uh, surviving Queens. I never shoplifted more yeah. than when I was in university. Look, they, and I took loved a lot, it so they took a lot of money from me for a degree that I don't <laughs> use. So I feel like stealing a half a loaf of bread here and there was uh, in retrospect, uh, I could justify it. Yeah, I, I, we're just admitting to crimes live on air. I, you know what? You know what? Crime is about. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I mean, we, we we were stealing from the rich in this instance. So their I'm, names I'm, are. I'm cool with that. <laughs> we're gonna take this break before we further incriminate ourselves. It's been your host Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. 
breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Will Lou. I'm answering questions with co-host Blake Murphy. Thanks I'm getting for... bullied off air between segments. Yeah. Guess what? This nerd didn't play Pokemon when yeah. he was growing up in school. He was uh, playing sports instead. How, how, how could you, man? Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Paul George got downgraded to questionable uh, tonight. He's dealing with a groin injury that flared back up at shoot around. That's per our pal Law Murray of The okay. Athletic. We'll do a full uh, preview for that one later. But if anyone's looking for updates, Paul George. Hey, Paul. Uh, questionable. Take it easy, man. Take it easy. Take it easy, all right? Just, <laughs> just, just say one out, man. Just say one out. Okay. All right. Uh, we're answering Raptors questions. We got uh, Raptors-specific about the roster. We got former Raptors-specific. We got Raptors-adjacent. Uh, we'll go in that order. Okay. The first one, this is from EP. Out of Brown, Bruce Brown, Gary Trent Jr., Dennis Schroeder, Chris Boucher, who is the most likely to still be with the Raptors post-trade deadline? You have to pick. Well, I might just rank them in order, maybe. Um, Dennis. Dennis, most likely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, none of those other guys have a contract with the Raptors show, so uh, that's a that's <laughs> okay. a, a hurdle in, in any trade that uh-huh. that has to be. Okay. You know, some players have like a trade kicker, like a bonus yeah. that comes in. Yeah. Um, we in this case have the trade kicker, where like we, the, we are the a team kicker. has to offer us a guest for the show uh, if Dennis is out. If um, Dennis is out, who would we? Who would we try to get for a weekly? Honestly, they'd probably give us Garrett the rest of the way, which would be... I'm down, man. Yeah. Yo, Garrett Temple was at, uh, was at the arena. He saw me. He's like, yo, why am I coming on again? I'm like, dude, whenever you want. What do you mean? You're a fantastic <laughs> guest. Did I tell you my thing with him on New Year's Day at, that, at the you... intro, like RJ and Quickly's uh, shoot around? No, no so what happened? So all the media are standing around waiting, right? Yeah. And like we're under the one basket and he's like coming over to shoot on it. Yeah. And, and I like, I'm trying to push the other media out of the way i'm like yeah. i think he needs our basket he's like oh this is your basket oh and like just okay. the whole time he was shooting around he's like didn't realize this was y'all's basket uh and he just uh, yeah. just gave it to me the whole time yeah so i, I no, would one say time look, i want the players to pass it to me so i can shoot it just once please i'm begging so I'm begging. Yeah, he did have a like a rebound go loose and yeah. i hit him with a pat like um, perfectly in the shooting pocket those are nice. he didn't acknowledge it but I know he knows. Okay. He was like, he was like, damn, I've never had a pass that sweetly right into my hands. <laughs> right I, I don't have, seams. I don't have to, I don't you have to adjust anything. Um, I, I like that you have the confidence to throw him a, an actual chest pass and yeah. not a bounce pass because I, I just throw him bounce passes. I'm like, I know my passing sucks. Uh, it depends on the distance. If I'm look on the court, if I'm not going to be able to pass, I'm not contributing much else offensively. Yeah. So, All right. uh, set some screens. You know. All my values on the other end. Uh, okay, so this question: uh, Brown, Trent, Schroeder, and Boucher. Yeah. I would probably say, given what we're hearing uh, in reports uh, around the league, that it doesn't sound like Bruce Brown's going to stick around unless the Raptors no. decide they really like, like. There's a real market. There's a real yeah. market. Yeah. Jake Fisher reported today that you know you're talking about at least a first mm. for Bruce Brown. Now, whether that's it's okay. definitely a first or it's a prospect, uh, yeah, like yeah, a good sure. prospect and a second or something like that, but the equivalent value of a first seems to be seems like it's going to be out there. I'm down uh, for for Bruce Brown. Um, Trent Schroeder and Boucher yeah. are all guys who I think teams maybe circle back to those guys close to the deadline if they if yeah, the yeah. other stuff doesn't happen. All three of those guys have contracts in the like eleven to nineteen million dollar range where mm. most teams can make it work. But you know, if you're the Knicks, say that Evan Fournier salary that you're doing using to make that cap math work, why would you move off of that until you know there's nothing else on the table? Right, right. Those, those kind of deals are, are a little 
th- those contracts are too valuable uh, a flexibility chip to use them before the end. Um, I don't know. Like like every every contending team could use Dennis Schroeder. It's just a matter of finding a way to take the twelve million on yeah. without taking a rotation player away. A lot of teams could use Chris Boucher off the bench, and there's obviously been some interest mm-hmm. around him, as I as I've said on the show. Um, you know, but again, he makes eleven million dollars in change, yeah. so you got to make sure that 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 doesn't blow up your chances of making a bigger deal if you're one of those teams looking. And then Gary's the one that I you haven't heard a lot of trade rumors about Gary. Nah. And like last Which might mean like could the Raptors maybe re-sign him for like less than his current value. Yeah, that'd be so. It's it, got to be, be awkward, awkward but like yeah, he's definitely cost himself a ton of money this year. So this is also one where like I was most confident that Gary would be the guy that got traded at last year's deadline of the potential free yeah. agents, just because like it didn't seem like you. And then they bought instead. So <laughs> uh, so what do I know? <laughs> yeah. But I think like you're in agreement that Bruce was probably the least likely to stay Absolutely. around based on what we've heard, like market wise. Yeah, there's the most demand for him. Yeah. So it, it makes perfect sense. All right, uh, former Raptor specific. This one from Lele. Uh, the offense looked great for a brief period. After OG was traded and Pascal was still on the team pre-Yaka Proto injury, is there a world where it would have worked if the Raptors kept Siakam and added IQ, RJ, and built from there? Trading away all NBA talent seems negligent. I mean, it's negligent if you don't like the return. Some you like. Do you, we, like, do you like the return though? Because I, I don't really like the <laughs> no, return. No, not but. not as much as what I think you could have got yeah, uh, in the off season. Exactly. Um, look, a scenario where it works, sure. Uh, I think you would have been. Not a good defensive team. And that's not because Pascal's bad defensively or anything, but you were already headed toward a bad defensive team, even with Jakob having a good defensive season mm-hmm. by the Raptors' internal metrics, even by having OG Ananobi on the team. You weren't going to be a good defensive team. Offensively, yeah, you could have made it work. Th- those last couple of Pascal games would have looked better with Jakob still mm-hmm. in the lineup. Um, but I think when we talk about would it have worked, talk about like it would have worked back to being like a high 30s win team instead of a mid-20s win team. And I don't know if that mm-hmm. works okay. in enough of a way i think bigger picture wise they wanted the reset yeah right um but yeah i mean part of me will wonder that because it wasn't it felt like with og the move to the knicks was almost like orchestrated you know like backroom kind of orchestrated mm-hmm. was going to the knicks looks happy with the knicks that and the knicks are clearly very happy with him um and the raptors got a decent return for that one the pascal one i really do buy that he wanted to stay here and you know what? After you sign that deal, it's not going to be a no trade clause or anything in that deal. So it's like, of course, you surrender the idea that, of course, you can always be traded. But I think he wanted to be paid here, and I didn't. It didn't feel like a necessary move. Like OG felt like a necessary move. Pascal just didn't feel as necessary to me because I know he was open to being here. But I mean, the other thing too is just like, um, yeah. I mean, you heard though for like pretty much an entire year before it finally got done that. But the Raptors weren't interested in, in, in an extension, period. Like, maybe at a smaller cost, maybe for a shorter amount of time. But it's like, that's like, I'm being interested in you, but I'm going to offer you 60% of your salary. Like, that's that's not interested. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's so, yeah. That's, <laughs> I, I'd be interested in any, like, all-star or yeah. borderline all-star caliber player if they were willing to sure. not get paid like that. Exactly. So, I, I think... But yeah, that, you want to sign that Bruce Brown deal? Done. Yeah. So, I, I think there was a level of just, like, I heard you, but no. no. Oh, wow. I didn't know Alex was in that one. Uh, but, yeah, like, I think there's a level of just the front office wasn't confident in Pasco for whatever reason. 
And yeah. I guess we'll see. I guess, I guess we'll see what yeah. happens. And, it, and not necessarily a confidence now, but a confidence in like, you know, over the, the life of his next deal. What does that mm-hmm. look like in year right. three, year four? Which, uh, yeah, we'll see. It also, I mean, it puts a heavy, heavy pressure on them to get back to being good at drafting and developing. There you go. Okay. Uh, one Raptors adjacent one. This one's from uh, Eric Kareem. <laughs> Which Raptor would win a team-wide Royal Rumble, assuming that they enter by height? Tall is first, all the way down to Marquis Noel. He didn't say all the way down. That feels a little rude. Uh, So for anyone who doesn't know, a Royal Rumble is everyone's in the ring, and you got to throw the other person, the other people out of the ring. That's the only way you can, you have to ring someone out. You have to throw them out. Yeah, you're like the last person standing in the ring wins. You can't like pin guys or make them submit. You got to throw them out. Uh, By the way, the Royal Rumble is uh, this Saturday, and you can watch that on Sportsnet Plus, of course. uh, Because, uh, yeah, we're a WWE partner for the time being. Mm, Uh, So that'll be uh, fun. Now, which Raptor would win? Historically, this has been really easy to answer because the Raptors have had James Johnson on their team a lot. Uh, And James Johnson was the answer. I think in the Surge era, Surge was a pretty good answer. He's got the size. He's got, we know he can, you know, throw Marquise Chris over the top rope. Mm. We've got an idea with Serge Ibaka. Um, With this team, now, if we are staying in kayfabe, if we're staying in kayfabe, which is like we don't know what's happening backstage, like we don't, Dude, I have no idea what you're okay. talking about. Okay, it's a wrestling term. Anyway, yeah, basically, okay. there's right. there are two answers here. If if Masai is booking this because someone books a story, then Scotty oh. wins. Oh, Scotty, Scotty's going wins. over. It's the franchise. If we're treating it legitimately, I think Bruce Brown. Really? He's shorter, so he gets to come in much later in the match. Than oh, other people, the way Eric okay, has okay, laid yeah, this yeah, yeah. out. Right, right, right. And then obviously he plays much larger than his size. So he gets mm. a later start. He's a little fresher. You okay. know, maybe Scotty and Jonte and, and yeah. guys like that have worn each other down. Bruce Brown comes in, uh, lower center of gravity, yeah. strength, experience, this versatility. Why, I like it. <laughs> this is why they sent Grady to that three week condition he's did. <laughs> yeah. So you, can get, so you can get yeeted over the top rope. <laughs> Yeah, Grady got to eat it immediately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, he'd be in early too because he's technically one of the tallest guys on the team yeah. now. Yeah, you know, I'll give a, I'll give a shout to RJ. I feel o- like- Otto Porter gonna do the walk in and immediately just leave the ring himself. <laughs> just, I'm, I'm not competing in this. It's gonna make a problematic. You're joke. going RJ? I'm going RJ. Yeah, All why right. not? Yeah, RJ seems very strong for a guard. So that's my strong. pick. Yeah, taller than Bruce Brown though. So he's coming in. He's yeah, coming in earlier. Yeah. Bruce Brown's getting a little bit fresher. Yeah, they're, they're going to try to close out to his right side and try to like grab him there, and he's oh, going to throw instead. guys out left handed. Yeah, 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 he's going to fake him out. All right, we got to go quickly for the other ones. Um, okay, so this one from James. Given the recent trend uh, we've seen from Grady, the upward trend, uh, how would you like to see his role progress the remainder of the season? You want to see him get rotation minutes? Uh, yes, I, I. Okay. I disagree with the upward trend if we're including the 905 performances as well. Okay, um, all right. uh, but, some good highlights, but not overall. Yeah, game. yeah. Uh, it generally was not his best game the other morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like you talked to Darko about it yesterday. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Uh, Grady is not, based on what we've seen in the G League and everything except his last two NBA appearances, he's not ready to contribute to winning in NBA minutes right now. Mm-hmm. But you don't care about winning NBA minutes right now. You you need to get him the reps. And I still think he should see 905 time because like yeah. you need to get 30 minutes in sometimes. You need to be able to get 15 shots up. Um, but yeah, he should be seeing NBA time. So like, I'd be a little surprised if he's not on this six-game road trip with the Raptors instead of back here with 905. Mm. Okay. I, I, I agree with that. I like that one. Um this one from Kaiser. Uh, would you have preferred? Soze? No, just just the like the bun, like the roll. Oh. Uh, would you have preferred to trade Pascal for Dejounte? No. 
Okay, just no. All right. I, I mean, I don't think Dejounte necessarily wanted to come here either. But that's also, a like thing. you, you just said it with Pascal. The trade was about declaring a direction and a plan. Yeah. And trading him for a similarly talented player at a different position. Yeah. That you're gonna run in. It just seemed like another way of kicking the decision down the line. Okay. Um. This one from Joe Bon. Sick name, uh, if that is your name on Twitter. Uh, which team has a better throwback jersey and logo, the Raptors or the Grizzlies? Naismith Cup. Yeah. On the, on the jerseys. I'm going to lean Raptors, but it's really close. They're both, like, top tier. They're both, that, they're that both year top that, tier. They're both super clean, man. Yeah, like Marc Gasol and the Raptors throwback yes, against the yeah, Grizzlies. Yeah. With the Kyle one right behind yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the yeah. one. Uh, I, 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 I guess we can't really pan the camera. Uh, this one from Sports Fandom Hurts. Uh, why are the Toronto Raptors media so resistant to the idea of a rebuild? Is it because your jobs are on the line? Is it because our jobs are on the line, Blake? Uh, no, I don't really understand this question. I feel like uh, I feel wow. like I've been saying for several years that <laughs> that they need to pick a direction. Um, so maybe this question doesn't apply to me. Maybe it re- mm-hmm. replies, applies to different uh, Toronto media. But also, no, uh, our jobs aren't on the line if the Raptors get worse. That we still are broadcasting eighty-two games on TV and radio. Mm-hmm. People are still reading about the team. Um, I'm not gonna lie yeah. though. It, it's harder to it's harder to cover them when they're not winning. I'm yeah, not, it's harder. And, and like it's it's you less, get less access things like that. So. Yeah, the job's still really yeah, cool. I'm not gonna say there's um, not a selfish element to that. Of course, yeah, there is for but me. it's not job security. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's you're security. enjoying your job day to day. Yeah, which is a, an important thing. All right, last one. This one from Jay. NBA players and staff do a cool dab type handshake most of the time. This is just verbatim. I would not have phrased it like this. But uh, how do you know when to use a regular handshake or a dab? That's what I think he meant, adapt. And also, have you ever panicked and got it wrong? Yeah. I mean, everyone's done the, like, one person handshakes, one person daps uh, uh, thing before. We've all been there. Okay. Um, but the answer is just you you just know or you don't. Uh, yeah, this is... Um... Like, I'm not walking up to Bobby Webster and being like, is it oh, a handshake, you're, you're is a handshake day or a daft Webster? day? Yeah. I dab Bobby. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I have oh, a great yeah. picture of me just, like, sitting courtside. He walks yeah, by yeah. And, and daps me up. He yeah. gets a really flat hand, like, okay. dab. Yeah. Yeah, it's but the, the answer is just like you know or you don't. Yeah, it's also a bit of a cultural thing. But anyway, we're gonna take the, another break. I've been your host Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Fresh views on everything in the National Football League. It's the Fan Checkdown with Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sports Radio Network. I'm your host, Will Blake Murphy, co-host, and we are joined for segment three by Dan Devine, Yahoo Sports, Divine Intervention, No Cap Room. What's going on, man? The man with the uh, with, with with the most iconic laugh in the entire uh, podcasting space. You look you look uh, angelic right now. There's so much well light lit. on your head. Well you, you are well lit, my friend. Well, I have to be lit to come on the Raptor show. You got to be extremely lit when you yes. get to talk to Will Lou and Blake Murphy. Um so a couple of things. First off, now I'm going to be self-conscious about my lap the entire time. Wow. Number one. Number two, the last time I was on the show, you absolutely flamed me, and justifiably so, for wearing what you called the 
official uniform of the Pro Basketball Writers Association, which was just like a flannel. <laughs> so I had to change my shirt before I did this show. Uh, I still only can do like a black T-shirt and a button down. But That's at fine. least it's not the flannel. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, I'm just so excited to get uh, back with you guys. This is, this is how I start my weekend this is, is the, with Will and Blake. This is the away jersey. Also, I'm in a black T-shirt with a, a flannel button up like beside me. I just is too warm in the <laughs> studio today for it. So glad we uh, glad we don't match here. Uh, Dan, welcome, man. Thanks for doing this. Um, last night, the NBA announced the starters for this year's mm -hmm. all-star game uh, that was determined by 50% fan vote, 25% player vote, 25% media vote. Um, weird reaction to, so Scotty Barnes came 11th. He came 11th in the player vote, 10th in the uh, fan vote. He ended up passing Mikhail Bridges at the last moment for, for 10th in the in, fan in vote uh, among East front court players. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and then uh, he didn't rank in the media vote because media only picked seven guys. Like, like the, the three spots were spread out between seven guys. I saw people mad about that. It was like, you can't put them over Giannis and Embiid uh, yeah. and, and Tatum. I'm sorry. I, I love Scotty and I think he's a reserve, but uh, you can't Scottie put him over those guys. Mad? No way. Yeah. Um, so here are your starters in the East. It's Giannis, uh -huh. Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton, and Damian Lillard uh, in the West. It is LeBron James making his record setting 20th all-star appearance. Damn along with Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Nice. Uh, which is uh, obviously great. Dan, that was not far off uh, your ballot. You wrote up uh, your picks for both the starters and the reserves at Yahoo Sports this week. Uh, in the East, you had four of the starters, the same as what eventually ended up happening. Um, Damian Lillard was not a starter on your ballot. And I would have assumed that the next person up, if not Dame, was Jalen Brunson, uh, who, as Josh Hart called him yesterday, because he's not an all-star starter, uh, an effing loser, mm. uh, because he's not <laughs> starting the all-star game. Um, but you had Donovan Mitchell in that spot uh, instead. Uh, we're not going to just, like, pick apart your, your picks, but I, I'm very curious play. to hear the, the Donovan Mitchell over a Brunson case. Well... First off, I'm, I'm glad to find out this is not going to be one of those gotcha interviews because no. otherwise I wouldn't I wouldn't have changed my shirt for that. Well, not not um, yet, at least. Not yet. No, all that, the sweat is going to come yeah, down. Yeah, if Scotty's not on it. your reserve list, then there's going to be some gotcha. Oh, buddy, there will be some. There will be there will shooters. Be, there will be some music accounts at your door, all right? Uh, I rem some music accounts, goodness. Um, well, for one thing, uh, as a native New Yorker and a, an avowed, uh, ashamed Knicks fan, I have to beat the allegations, right? You have to beat the Homer <laughs> oh, okay, allegations. Okay, all right. So yeah. step one is that you've got to present sure. the the image of of uh, impartiality. Um, nope. I mean, to me, it was like he was the it was either one of those guys was going to be the first name on the reserve list for me. Um, to me, the argument for Mitchell, in addition to the sort of advanced statistical case, he's top 10 or top 15 in almost all of the alphabet, alphabet soup, uh, <laughs> all in one kind of advanced metrics and uh, has a big lead on Jalen Brunson in that in terms of like per minute productivity, per possession productivity. Uh, I think like second or third in the league in steals and deflections. He's up, up in the top 10. So he's had like a bigger impact defensively on what has been an elite Cleveland defense. And then the, the run the Cavs have been on since Darius Garland and Evan Mobley went out the, the the fact that they've been like a top 10 caliber offense in that run is almost exclusively due to Mitchell. Like they've been shooting threes a ton. They've been pushing the pace, but so much of the open threes that guys like Sam Merrill or, uh, you know, Dean Wade or George Niang or whoever are stepping into, it's because of all the attention Donovan Mitchell draws. D Dean Wade is not self-creating all of this offense. <laughs> Not yet. I mean, listen, we're going to see where he gets to next year, but yeah. the point is, so I, I, to me that like 
the fact that everyone was sort of wondering, are they going to go crater? And is Donovan Mitchell going to be on a new team in a month? Mm-hmm. And instead of that, they are right there neck and neck with, for uh, fourth, the fourth seed in the East. And Mitchell has been balling out and the team has looked so much better. So that to me, I was like, Brunson has had Randall the entire time. The Knicks, with the exception of Mitchell Robinson, have been healthy. It's felt like a heavier lift to some degree for Mitchell. But, um, you know, uh, our friend Tom Ziller this morning sent out an email and has a newsletter that said, Jalen Brunson's not a starter because of you. And for me, that might be literally true. Like, I might be <laughs> one of the reasons that it didn't happen. So I got to wear that. Um, yeah, the Donovan Mitchell stuff's fascinating because, like, the way he's talked about uh, as a trade t- target, you'd think he's, like, a free agent at the end of the year. He's yeah. not. He's got another right. year left and then a player option. He's also only 27. Uh, there's a lot of – there's a lot to like there. And it's a great point because I, I was actually looking at the standings the other day and I was like, man – the Cavs are like really doing this still. And like Mobley's not remotely back yet. Like, like there's a, a lot that has gone wrong for them and uh, they're hanging in there. The the other thing I, I was interested about in your uh, starter picks is that you also mentioned, I knew, I know you had written about this previous, but in mentioning uh, Tyrese Halliburton as a starter, which he's been voted in, which is awesome because it's in Indiana and hopefully he's back by then. Uh, he's only expected to miss maybe another game or two here uh, before coming back. You kind of think he could be most improved player in addition to being uh, an all-star starter here? So this is one of my uh, my most fuego takes, and it's one of the things that gets me yelled at most frequently. I understand the argument that if somebody has established themselves as like all-star level or thereabouts, then they should not be considered for this kind of award. I get that. I also, though, think that the hardest improvement and the biggest improvement there is to make in the league is going from like that level to MVP candidate to all NBA first team kind of ballot candidate. And that's exactly the kind of leap that Tyrese Halliburton has made. You know, like they are the best offense in the league, Indiana, because of Tyrese Halliburton. They, the entire, the or the way they play offensively is entirely based on him. And it's not just like he got more minutes, so he's scoring more. The, the uh, workload is about the same, but it's like four more points and four more assists per hundred possessions going from like among the league leaders in assists to blowing that away, creating more points for, per assist than any player in PBP stats database, which goes back to 2000. He's creating more points via assist than like any Steve Nash team, any wow. Chris Paul team. Like he, it is blowing that stuff out of the water. And yes, some of that is the era. Some of that is pace, but a lot of it is Halliburton. And I think that if you asked the, the Pacers, just like honestly, before the start of the season, did you think he was going to be this good this fast? Even the most optimistic Pacers person probably would have said no. And I think that kind of improvement is also improvement. I get the argument for guys who have yet to be named all-stars being in that kind of consideration. You know, Tyrese Maxey is the name that you're going to hear an awful lot for that. He's probably about a week away from being named an all-star mm-hmm. for the first time. But to me, uh, when I was looking at that kind of award, and I'm looking at who I voted for in the past, Luca, Ja. Uh, SGA last year. I think when you get to that elite, elite level, that top five, top 10 kind of level, that's worth celebrating. And that's the way, one way that I do it. But I certainly understand the counter argument. I mean, it is the hardest jump to make. Like, mm-hmm. that's that's the thing. Like, I mean, a lot of players get promoted into a position where they get more opportunities to put up numbers. And sometimes they take it. And sometimes they and it comes with a tangible improvement in their skill set. But to make that final jump, I think, is really, really, really key. And, um, what about the reserves? Who, who? So I'm looking at. Is this? Is this? Was, are these the reserves that you picked? Uh, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, Julius yeah, Randle. I put his picks in. Brunson, Maxi, Lillard. I had to make you wait Barnes. for this. Will. What's the last name on the list? What's the last name on the list? Will Scotty Lillard. Barnes. Um, 
Yeah, I'm happy you got Scotty in there. Was was it a difficult like was Scotty the last pick for you? Was he was he not the last pick for you? We need to break this down even further. Yeah, I see that he's on the list, but I need to know that he was the first guy on this list for me. Is he still being snubbed while being on the list? Mm. Is really what we're trying to identify here. Should um, he have been the first he, wild card instead of the second wild card? Is the the, the discussion here? That's right. Um, it was it was hard in so far as I think you. It is. I, I guess I tend to lean toward rewarding team success and how much somebody is impacting winning, okay. um, which, you know, fair or unfair, I do think that I maybe have like a, a inherent bias toward that somewhat. So then you you sort of get to that point of, is he, if you're going to go for Scotty, should you maybe not go for Trey Young instead, right? Mm-hmm. Or something like that, mm-hmm. where it's like incredible, incredible numbers and, you know, the efficiency, not quite there, certainly not the two-way impact, but is having somebody who's like a top 10 offensive player, but a significantly damaging defensive player who is a that and that is a major reason why the Hawks are bad consistently versus someone who is not that, but like maybe it isn't, isn't as high on either side as Trey is on offense. I kind of just I went with it and said, like, I think he's been good enough on both ends of the floor. I liked the idea just selfishly and in a sandbox where nothing matters because mm-hmm. the coaches pick this, not me. Like, get the first time guy on there, recognize yeah. somebody who has. Uh, made the difficult adjustment from like a sophomore slump or at least stof- sophomore stagnation to a huge year three leap. Like mm-hmm. that's, it's not, a, you, you're talking about guys who get more opportunities and don't always do enough with them. This is not only someone who has done more with them, but like forced the organization along with the calendar mm-hmm. to finally make a decision about its direction because it's like, no, he is this good. We do have to build around him in this way. And I thought that was that, you know, that merited some recognition, uh, whether that's going to be that for the coaches. I mean, young guys sometimes, can sometimes yeah. be a uh, struggle with getting that recognition from coaches. But, you know, in the uh, again, in the consequences, free sandbox of my reserve picks, I felt like that was worth giving a shout to. And I knew that even before I was going on the show in Toronto, mm-hmm. I didn't even know I was coming on yet when I did that. So that's how you know it. I meant it. Yeah, you sound pressed. I don't know, man. <laughs> no, uh, it's just these lights. It really is just these lights, man. Like You're I, being interrogated fully. Like I, like I said in our, our show group chat, um, you, you look like Jesus coming in in a vision right now to talk to me about all-star starters right now. So, Well, uh, I'll take that. I've been called way worse things, so that's good. Yeah, there you go. Okay, uh, on the point of Scotty, so it was in, it was interesting hearing Masai. Masai had the, the post- not trade deadline, but trading Pascal and OG, he talked about it. And he, when he mentioned Scotty, he was like, I kind of wish I foresaw this jump, right? Because it could have informed them maybe to move in a different direction. And um, yeah, I mean, clearly he has taken this jump. Now, of course, like his role keeps changing and that's going to affect sort of his day-to-day responsibilities. Like after OG got moved, for example, now he's like the primary defender on pretty much everybody now. Um, you know, Jakob Proto gets injured. You know, he has to play some small ball five as well. You know, sometimes he's a lead playmaker, something that he's not. But the fact is, there's just like the overall impact that you see Scotty Barnes in a game right now, especially in the moments where he takes over. So fourth quarters, you know, we've seen him have takeover moments. The game against the Spurs are in the season where, you know, he had that step back three to force overtime and then won it in overtime as well. Guys like that, like, the plays and the level of impact, like if it's not this year, he's going to get there eventually. He's on that level. And I'm looking at the possible snubs too, that, you know, like Jimmy Butler or Chris Tasperzingas, Trey Young, you mentioned Derek White, Pascal, Jared Allen, Paolo Boncaro, Franz Wagner. Like he's above those guys for me. Like, for example, Pascal, like Scotty has had a better season than Pascal to, to date. Right. And so that one's easier for me. Jared Allen. I mean, uh, yeah, I appreciate that. He's stepping more offensively. Do the injuries? I think the conversation there is like Paolo or Franz. Like, do you reward one of them? But and, and if the Magic had stayed on the pace they were, maybe you do, right? But yeah, now but it's like not dropping. only are they splitting the vote in your head, 
but they've come back down to earth to to about a 500 team. So, I mean, it, it's it's an incredible jump. And again, it, it's a reminder that, like, the Raptors are not just transitioning to nothing. Yeah. Like, they are transitioning to a younger group that have something that they're already showing. So, so maybe this is just me rationalizing that the tank won't be as long as it needs <laughs> to be, man. I, I want to see wins in Toronto, but... Anyway, uh, Dan, Dan, to spin off of that, when you are doing this and you're down to your final couple guys, is it harder for you to leave off a good a player having a good season on a winning team that's maybe not represented or underrepresented? Or is it tougher for you to leave off like an outstanding individual season on a, a team that's just not playing that well? Like what, which one for you is the tougher cut? It's funny because my, my immediate reaction is the former. It's like if, if a guy who is contributing to a team that is succeeding and has been, played a major role in that success uh, versus somebody who's you know putting up great numbers but on a bad team, my first thought is like, oh, I would lean toward the success. And yet when I did the column, I put Scotty on over, you know, as you mentioned, like Boncaro being maybe probably the primary example of a guy who's had to just like drag that offense yeah. so often this season and, you know, done it. I think you see that also reflected in how well he finished in the player vote. I think players are like, man, that guy has to do so much for that team, especially when Franz was out. Um, but that, I mean, I think the, the representation component of it is interesting because you can get yourself in sort of a pretzel there where you're like, well, I gotta have a guy from this team or I gotta mm -hmm. have two guys from that right. team. Um, and that's, you know, that, that, you know, you can drive yourself nuts with that. So I think at a certain point, like if you are, it would be one thing if I had nobody from the number one seed in either conference, right? Like then you would feel like something was not lining up, mm -hmm. but as long as you're like relatively representing you know, quality players on quality teams or who are at least competing, you know, you know, 500 ish or so, I think there's still room for saying this is excellence, even if it's, you know, being hidden under a barrel a little bit, or even if there are, uh, circumstances that have led to this team not succeeding uh you don't necessarily have to ding a player for other consequences like that i think the statistical case too is just like pretty clear for me like so if you want to go raw stats for example like scotty's averaging two fewer points per game than paulo otherwise he's shooting a better percentage from the field better percentage uh from three a better uh, more rebounds per game more assists more steals more blocks um if the you know like he, scotty's an epm darling you know, yeah. so there's, oh, yeah, there's that, that aspect as well. Yeah, the audience doesn't like it when I use that stat. It, oh. Unless it supports Scotty <laughs> Barnes as an all-star, then it's <laughs> our number to, one yeah. favorite stat. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I hear it. Like, of course, it's going to be difficult. You know, coaches, I think, historically have done the approach that you're describing, which is why I think, by the way, coaches' votes should be public. I'm sorry. Every time, every time it's like, all oh, the media votes come out and all the media guys get, like, you know, oh my, I can't believe this guy didn't vote for this or whatever and whatever. I don't even care. Why is it not just transparent for coaches? So, I want to see who Rick Carlisle voted for. So, so my take on this is I don't need to see who the Indiana Pacers coach voted for. I just need every team to admit who actually makes the pick. Okay, fine, fine. It was. Uh, That's good. I like that. No, but seriously, like, I, I want to see that. Yeah. You know? Dwayne Casey or Rex Kalamian, reveal yourself yeah. as, the, <laughs> as, the true, as the true voter here. Um, yeah. it, it's tough because, like, obviously coaches, you know, they're – I've heard coaches explain over the years that, like, yes, they, they'll go down the standings list and that's kind of how they do it first. They're like, hey, who are we game planning the most for? Like, who's the most stressful mm -hmm, right. guy for us to play against? Yeah. But you also run into things like the head coach of a team is not doing the scout for all – 82 games and all 14 conference opponents. They're not seeing yeah. every single game. There's not enough time in the day with everything I have to do to watch these guys a lot. You might be at the all-star break when you're voting for the coaches. Like theoretically, you might not have played a team yet. You just haven't seen them. You haven't done the prep work for them. So there's a little bit of a, an imbalance 
uh, there. We don't have to do that. We, the media have no say over the reserves, but we get to do this anyway. Uh, Dan, to pivot to the Western Conference, that is a conference that has like 10 real teams and two more teams that think they're real. And the East has not nearly that many real teams. Yeah. How much tougher was the, the West for you given the depth of candidates? I think it's weird. I, it almost got easier once I realized that no matter what I did, I was wrong. Like that kind of, there, <laughs> mm. there's a certain level of resignation that, uh, or acceptance maybe. Let's, let's put a positive spin on it. When you're like, I'm, I'm going to have to leave two of LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, and Kevin Durant off of my ballot. Like I can't put all four of those or even two of those guys are not going to make it. And you're like, well, all right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like as starters, uh, to be clear, they're yeah, on yeah, your yeah. reserve ballot. But yeah, like yeah. there's, there that are no right wild. answers. That would be really yeah. wild if I did that. Um, that would be some, some engagement farming, but uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. I, you know, once you realize you yeah, you only get three front court spots, you only get two guard spots. And then like the, the guard spots to me, that was like, it did not take very much thinking despite the fact that, you know, there are elite players at, at that position. And obviously Steph Curry is Steph Curry. Like this season, I don't know how you could pick, how you could vote honestly for anyone who was not Shea Gilgis Alexander and Luka Doncic and the, at the front court or the, the backcourt spots rather. So like once that happens and you're like, I guess I'm going to have to bring Steph Curry off the bench on this team. Like, yeah, there you get sort of a level of comfort where you're like, this is going to look weird and it's going to kind of feel a little bit odd to have these names in like the second bunch of guys you write about. But uh, the the performances of some of those other players uh, just sort of push them down the list like that. This is what happens when the league is this good. Where uh, where would Shea? So you, you voted Shea as a starter. He's going to be a starter. Hypothetically, if there were an MVP vote right now, where would he be on your bet? Is he like top three and he ain't three kind of thing? Oh, now you're getting now you're getting interrogated. This is all Canada's no, that's watching. Fine. All of Canada's watching. I'm okay. This. I'm okay with this because I've been uh, I've been under these hot lights writing uh, nothing but award based or all star based columns for the last like week and a half. So I'm just like I've been in this so heavy. Uh, SGA would be three and he would be three. Um, I think okay. it's, it's Jokic, it's Embiid and then Jokic for me right now. Obviously there could come a point where games missed, uh, rears their ugly head. And like, you know, if, if Embiid falls behind the path, the pace rather, um, then, you know, it's a, it's a different conversation, but I think that uh, SGA has firmly put himself into that number three spot on the ballot. Um, you know, the numbers, you all, you all know the numbers and they're sick. And the, the fact that he's doing it on both ends of the floor, not just the whatever 30, 31, six and six or whatever it is, but also leading the league in steals. Um, I think he's like fifth in stocks too, just because of how big his mm. steals advantage is. Like it's, it's all the gigantic scary guys. And then SGA mm. right under them in stocks. Yeah. Um, and Scotty up there too, as a matter of fact, but, nice. um, I, it's been, uh, and, you know, the uh, everyone gets mad at Blake for mentioning EPM. Why not give him some support here? Uh, SGA right up at the top of, of that list, too. Like, it's been, I think everybody but Embiid uh, is underneath SGA, too, even Jokic. So it's been a, a sensational first half for him. That team, like, you are competing for the number one seed in the West, you know, uh, within hailing distance of Boston for best record. Like, all of the markers of this is what an MVP winds up being are there. It's just that. Also, Philly's right there, and also Denver's right there, and the other like the other numbers also lean a little bit toward those guys. So, mm -hmm. the, basically, the biggest thing that's wrong with Shea Gildas Alexander's MVP case is that he's not half a foot and seventy five pounds, half a foot taller and seventy five pounds heavier. That seems yeah. to be the only thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just it, it's just tough because it's like um, so soccer got to this point where it's like if they have a you know Ballon d'Or, it's like the MVP award for the year sort of thing, and it's like you can't 
actually beat Messi or Ronaldo for this award. It doesn't really matter who the third best player is at, in the world at any given time. They're just not going to get it. You know, and it's like that's how we're like looking at Jokic and Embiid. Like, look at Embiid, man. He scored 36 a game. He just scored 70. Like, I'm sorry. It's hard to win proficiency in, in this type of classroom. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at the reserves. So LeBron, KD, Paul George, Anthony Edwards, Devin Booker, Steph Curry, Darren Fox. Uh, that, that looks about right. Because, like, there's not really any snubs that I would take above those guys. I, just, I want to meet. Oh, oh, you would think that, Lou. You would think that, Will. Sorry, oh, you would think that, Will. No, but, fine, uh, I want to meet the no. person who's angry in your mentions that Rudy Gobert won't be in the All-Star game blocking oh. all the alley-oops. It's not great blood. Oh, Blake, Blake, be honest. You don't want to meet that person. No, um, I don't. <laughs> no, it's the, Rudy uh, Gobert. I've met him. Rudy Muse. It's, he's the only <laughs> guy. True. He's touched your um, microphone. Invented COVID. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Inventing it. Well, I mean, that'd be he's a, in a lab. <laughs> it's a new theory. Yeah, we don't. We don't need to talk about the lab theories. No, um, we don't. Yeah. I would say that. Uh, yeah, I mean, Gobert is is a difficult one. In, if only that he is like the reason or the biggest reason for the biggest reason that the Wolves are number one, right? Okay. Like yeah. th they are there because yeah. of that defense and they are number one because of him more than anybody else. Um, so that that is, I can see that. Um, uh, Demana Sabonis, uh, to me, uh, we talk about representation again. Like I was like, I kind of, I would feel silly if I didn't get a king on here. Mm -hmm. Who do I think is more responsible for their success? You look at the on-court, off-court splits on that team, and it's like when De'Aaron Fox plays without Sabonis, they're pretty good to very good. When Sabonis plays without De'Aaron Fox, they get boat raced. So even though Sabonis right. has whatever it is, like 20, 13, and 8, and like a dozen triple doubles, I do feel like Fox is more of the driver of the success for that team. So that's why I put him on there. But understandably, like there are Kings fans that are going to be uh, ticked off about that. Markinen, like the only reason the Jazz are ha even competing is because Lowry Markinen is sick. Mm -hmm. So like that that's one um, but yeah, I know you're right. There gets to a point where you're like, this feels it's, it's not bulletproof because there's no, like, everyone will find something. There, there are so many good players that there is somebody yeah. that is deserving that is going to be left out, but you do the best you can with the, uh, the spaces that you have. And then you comfort yourself by saying these seven spots at the end here literally don't matter. Cause I am not the coach of a Western <laughs> conference. Say it with me, Blake. Yet. Yet. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah. Jordy Fernandez is going to be doing these votes and making sure it's all Canadians <laughs> on the Sacramento Kings uh, ballot. And you, you mentioned Lowry Market and like, this is why I'm not allowed to vote is like, I would be like, yeah, Chris Dunn's getting my all-star vote to represent Utah's over performance. <laughs> um, okay. So Chet and Wemby aren't on here. Maybe they're not going to make it. Um, oh, they'll be in that rookie sophomore game though. But, and, and I can't wait to watch that. And so I want to spin this out a little bit because I think, Look, I'm a, I'm hardcore. I love the the dunk contest. I love mm. the three point contest. I still like that stuff. You a love lot. the ruffle celebrity contest. Whatever that is, yep. <laughs> My former teammate Simu Liu in the, the celebrity game. Oh, yeah, Let's yeah. go. Oh, remember um, when he almost choked the whole game away for the celebs last year? Man, remember. remember when he almost did that for my team in the Raptors Republic three on three <laughs> tournament a couple years ago? Um, I do remember okay. that. Remember when so, I blocked you twice in the open run? Yeah, buddy? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> That's a true story. Okay, take it in the post though. Uh, um, <laughs> okay, so. Not you. I, I know. Yeah. Um, let's, uh, I, I, as much as I love All-Star Saturday Night, I think we could do more. Yeah. And I wonder, like, they're not going to do it, obviously, but Chet and Wemby one-on-one -on -one, or some oh, sort of yeah. showcase yeah, yeah. that puts them front and center one-on-one. -on -one. Like, like, the skills challenge is not enough. That's, that's too lame. Dan, do you have any ideas for how we showcase Chet v. Wemby at All-Star Weekend? Or is it just rookie, sophomore, and... and 
we Chet is a sophomore now for this purpose. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the the argument of both of them is like seeing them have to work together feels like there could be some juice there. Like, but not so much as teammates in those games, like mm -hmm. forcing them to be you know like a three legged race, like tie their <laughs> legs together and then make them accomplish certain tasks. Uh, or, you know, like one of them, like an improv exercise where one's arms are behind the back and the other one has to use the arms to, you know, do the, the space work. Um, I am, I think if we're going to do a, you know, one-on-one -on -one there, it needs to go from skills challenge to like skills decathlon. Okay. Like I need to see a wide variety, like give me the broad jump with these two guys, mm -hmm. give me the high jump with these two guys, but then also like spoon an egg on your mouth or dizzy yeah. izzy or something like what that. What if we you, go like, um, like Billy Madison style where there's like a mix of athletic and music and then like intelligence challenges as well. You got to do a debate. We can we can blow it out with a, a full academic decathlon. A model United Nations at yeah. one point too. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly right. Canada if versus France or U.S. versus you, France. If you can't envision Chet Holmgren just pulling a Timberland boot out of a smoking pot and saying like this is my science project, <laughs> then you and I don't think the same. I, but I guess yeah. I'm built different in that way. Uh, yeah. After you know we're, we're going to expand this out eventually, and, and like after Jordan Poole gives his debate, you get Adam Silver doing the. We're all dumber for having heard this. I award you no points. And may uh, sorry to pick on Jordan Poole for that one. Uh, so so this pick, plays though. into something I've thought for a long time, and it's an incredibly stupid thing. But a funny thing to do as part of All-Star Weekend right. would be like, like let's mix in some non-basketball stuff as well. Like I want, I want an NBA talent show. Like I, I want a they couple had that of that a couple years ago. Remember that? Wasn't that just a game of horse? No, no, they had an actual NBA talent show. I don't yeah, remember this people, at all. Some people are rapping. You might be thinking about when Victor Oladipo came out singing New York, New no, York before doing his dunk. <laughs> no, it was on TNT, I swear. There was like an NBA talent show where Damn. guys were like, I remember this because Mike Muscala was a really good like rapper. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Look this up. I'm, I'm not <laughs> Dwight Howard did impressions. Of course he uh, did. Oladipo oh sang. Yeah. Donovan. Yeah. Everyone just sang, though. There's a lot of singing. Yeah, I mean. Terrence Ross's talent was playing video games? Come on. <laughs> we got to do better too, than this. too on the nose. We so got T-Ross out here streaming? He's yeah. out here on, on Twitch? Yeah, yeah. We should get T-Ross on the show, by the way. Yeah, we absolutely should. Uh, yeah. Dan, do you have any other ideas for, you know, events we could throw into All-Star Saturday? Basketball or not basketball related? Uh, timed escape room for... Oh. For, like give me give me big threes like I want to okay. take a competitive escape room for big threes and then we'll find out like maybe the person that you think is the weakest link in the big three is actually ah. the one that holds the whole thing together okay I want this but for coaching staffs whose job security is in peril like let's see <laughs> before the Adrian Griffin decision comes down let's see him and and Joe Prunty and Trevor Gleason do an escape room while Doc Dave Yeager yeah. and uh who, who else see oh Rex Glamian yeah. are over here doing doing theirs as well uh, to borrow the popular meme uh, they're having a coach off <laughs> <laughs> wow um no I mean look I would love to see a one-on-one -on -one competition I would and I would love specifically to see Chet and Wemby go up each other one-on-one -on -one, first to 11 kind of thing and yeah, they seem like the, the, the rare two guys who, like, for most players, it's mm -hmm. like, well, there's no incentive to doing it, no, right? but because they just you... like going at each other. Because yeah, they this. seem like they would legit get into just being like, no, no, yeah. I want to own that dude in front of everybody. Don't you want to see what Wemby's one-on-one -on -one moves are? Like, independent of a five-on-five -five context? Because yeah. the thing is, like, I feel like when Wemby plays Chen, I, obviously they played each other earlier this week, it doesn't even look like they're playing basketball. No. <laughs> like, it's a slightly it's, different sport. I like, also I love the one-on-one -on -one aspect because obviously we would want Chet versus yeah, Wemby, but I three, remember three dribbles, like no, remember, no, like over dribbling in the post kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, I remember in the championship year too, like 
and obviously Kawhi was not involved in this. Kawhi's not going to do this. No, Kawhi's not doing but anything extra. Someone guys. on the Raptors <laughs> told me that in all their summer runs and all their training camp practice and stuff, yeah. like Lorenzo Brown was the king of one on one. Really? Like just okay. for whatever reason, a six five point guard mm. with a great hand. Like I don't know. Yeah, could yeah. anyone beat Shea one on one? Like given the given the fact that he's a pretty okay. good on ball defender now and has maybe the most varied package of one on one moves, could anyone beat him? Okay, I'm gonna put Kyrie in this list or Luca. Kyrie offensively mm. is going to cook everyone. Like there's no yeah, there's yeah. still no touching Kyrie's handle. Yeah. But like I feel like he would just give up on defense so he can get the ball back. Like just hunt defensive rebounds. Like at the That's end, why of, winners gotta keep the ball. Yeah. Like at the yeah. end of he got game where like the dad is just tired and just like waiting for a defensive rebound. Uh, yeah. I mean. <laughs> No, seriously, a one-on-one contest will be absolutely awesome. We can do it knockout style as well if we need to. It would take way too much time. But the, the thing with All-Star Weekend is yeah, pretty much I, all the I best one-on-one players are already there. Yeah. They're the All-Stars. Yeah. I so want, that's why I don't want to see Rudy Gobert the All-Star yeah, game. I, I watched <laughs> Jeremy Evans paint before he dunked. I got time on All-Star oh, yeah. Weekend. Wow. Man, we can't talk about Jeremy Evans no. painting. Like that, 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 that is that has triggered me. I'm not going to lie to you. Like yes. that, that unlocks some bad memories. Apologies. Uh, Did he, by the way, paint? Painting of himself dunking while also jumping over his own painting. Yeah, like it was something like, in a, like that. Yes. A painting within he a painting. Inception yeah. He style. jumped over the painting and then unveiled the painting to reveal that it was a painting of him dunking yes. over the painting. Yes. And it was like, this is Jeremy Evansception, nah, and we can't who, have who this. Who thought yeah. that that was going to hit? It's man. like a Matryoshka doll where it just like <laughs> yes. inside yeah. the painting, if you look really closely, was also him dunking <laughs> over a painting of him dunking over a painting. It just gets progressively smaller. Uh, Dan, in seriousness, before we let you go here, uh, yeah. all-star related, Steph Curry suggesting yeah. yesterday maybe him and Sabrina doing something, whether one-on-one or just like, hey, we're going to add some uh, WNBA element to the three-point contest that have your interest peaked for all-star Saturday night. I mean, I think at this point, the three-point contest has tend, has become kind of the main event. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, you get more actual stars in it. There's, you know, the the that feeling of mounting, like, excitement as somebody just, you know, hits 20, you know, 7, 8, 9 in a row. And then Sabrina Ionescu had, like, the greatest three-point yeah. shootout of all time. 37 so, yeah, points, of, I think. Yeah. Yeah, the idea of seeing her and Steph go heads up there is like that. That's out. That I would check that out for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, not not that I'm not. If anyone from Yahoo Sports is listening, like not that I would check out or not pay any attention to All Star. Like I'm totally oh, yeah, going to yeah. be doing my You're job. You're locked into the sure. Ruffle Celebrity Game. Absolutely. That's right. I'm, I'm breaking it down. We're giving <laughs> grades like Pelton. It's going to be phenomenal. But uh, yeah. but no, yeah. The, the the Sabrina versus Steph of it sounds interesting to me. Yeah. Same. Likewise. I, I think my question is like which 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 three point line are we using? You know, all that kind of stuff. But I, I think it's going to be a really cool competition. And I'm really happy that, like, Steph is accepting this challenge, too. And yeah. that Sabrina is also issuing the challenge to Steph. Like, it's just really cool, man. Like, yeah. yeah. Also, the other part of it is, like, Sabrina, like, low-key has one of the most popular sneakers in the league now, oh, too. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. everyone's yeah. wearing them all the time. They do look uh, amazing. I yeah. still haven't got one. But, they, yeah, I heard they're great to hoop in, too. Okay, so, yeah. Um, yeah, this is great. I mean, obviously, it's great integration for the league to blend the WNBA, too. And you, no, you can't absolutely. fully do that during the NBA season because... Uh, no, but women. this is way better than, like, the higher shooting stars contest. No, I don't know why I'm remembering them oh, all by their appetizers, by yeah, the way. Yeah, this guy said <laughs> ruffles eight times in this segment. Um, <laughs> man. I'm a higher uh, brother. All right. Yeah, but, like, like some women are playing internationally. Now, Canada's mm. women are, are trying to qualify for the yeah, Olympics yeah. In, in a couple weeks here, so they wouldn't be able to. But anything you can do like that to showcase the talent and, and kind of you know, the synergy between the two leagues. Also, it's just fun, man. Like, like we've Dude. seen Steph beat every NBA player at three-point shooting for, like, 15 years now. Yeah. We, we've, we, we know we actually Steph need to bring in other competition. We really, no, because yeah. this is better than a, this is better than when Kevin Hart low-key tied Draymond Green <laughs> <laughs> the Toronto three-point shootout.
Oh, yeah, man. I'm not gonna lie. When you said, "Is there anything you'd like to add to All Star Weekend?" the first thing I thought was like, "I don't know." As long as, long as we can make sure Kevin Hart's not involved this time oh. around, like, are, are we? Can we just like make sure we're gonna? Yeah. Is, delete if at all possible but yeah. that's just me yeah, yeah. He's, he's moved on man he's trying to do like serious like uh like heist movies and stuff now like he's starting trying to start his own oceans 11 franchise so i think he's he's maybe putting comedy behind him as much as he can he's wow. like jack now God too bless. it's a interesting career path by the way he's uh, like mike bibby now this is the worst thing to mention on a <laughs> toronto raptors program but there is video out there of Kevin Hart just absolutely stuffing the lights out of Ke Kyle Lowry no. in a one-on-one game. Oh, come on. Go look on YouTube. Oh, Kyle, no. Kevin Hart, Ky these are, Kyle Lowry. These are the I'm two whole you. pieces of homework we're sending you, right you with. Is find a clip of Will stuffing Simu Liu in the That's RR 3 3 tournament. I was there. And Kevin Hart stuffing Kyle Lowry. That one was You hate to see nasty. it happen to a Charlotte Hornets legend. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Kyle, please, man. Get yourself out of Charlotte. No, I need. I do need the Kyle Hornets jersey. Kyle Hornets jersey and Jose Calderon Warriors jersey are good. If I ever own a place and have like a basement, that's what's, it's just the nonsense I would do it. This is why I am not allowed to have money. Yeah. All right. No, nobody's invited to Blake Murphy's basement. Uh, Dan, I appreciate you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, buddy. And uh, My pleasure, guys. Thanks so much for having me. There you go. Dan Devon. Check him out at Divine Intervention, the podcast. Yeah. No Cap Room, the podcast. Him and Jake Fisher. Yeah, some Jake Fisher uh, nuggets that we can touch on in the okay. uh, in the final segment here there after a break as well. We can take a little look at this Clippers game too. All right, let's take this last break of the week. I've been your host, Willow. You've been listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's your host, Lulu, Blake Murphy. We have, what do we have left for you this week that we haven't touched on in 10 hours of podcasting? We got a little bit of mailbag stuff got left. Some mailbag. Uh, we got some Raptors Clippers to talk about. A little around bit the around NBA. the NBA stuff if you if you care to. All right. You uh, know some of it we already touched on, uh, like Josh Hart calling Jalen Brunson a loser for not starting the All-Star game. Uh, Stephen uh, A debating which Pokemon to choose. What was the right answer for that question, by the way? Because There, I'm there not actually a, is no right answer. To and and like, I, yeah. so you explained this to me during a break. I was never yeah. a Pokemon guy. Uh, I thought your options were, were Pikachu, Squirtle, and Charizard or Charmander uh -huh. or whatever, whichever yeah. one the baby one is. Charmander, yeah. Um, but that's not your choices. You get a Bulbasaur or no. whatever. No, no, no. So traditionally, you, you, I mean, in all the other games, you get one pick of three potential starters. And then in Pokemon Yellow, uh, you get to pick, like, you just get Pikachu as your starter oh, okay. to fit with the anime and the storyline okay. of Ash Ketchum. You know, Ash Ketchum leaving us this year. Jurgen Klopp leaving. Uh, Ash Ketchum Pascal. finally won a ring. Oh, and, then, and then he left. Yeah. You see, oh, I see. You, you, yeah. you know some Pokemon. You I know, got a like, little bit. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so what's the deal with Klopp? Your, your Liverpool manager is uh, oh self-sacked? Yo, I'm telling you, I woke up this morning. All right. Hit snooze like 10 times first time. All right. <laughs> and then I was like, all right, let me check my phone. And then I just see a video message, like alert from like Liverpool. And I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I click it and I'm like, oh my God, Jurgen Klopp is now going to leave the club at season 10. First off, he's like a beloved figure. Like in, mm -hmm. in an NBA setting, this would be... Pop? Like Spo, if Spo okay. retired. You know what I mean? Like, they love him. You've won chips with them. You've uh, seen various groups win chips with them. Uh, I think on a personality-wise, honestly, there's not a person in the league, in the NBA, that has, like, the gravitas and, like, the 
just the person. I just love this guy, man. He's like my yeah. second dad. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> like ideally what you want from a coach. And um, yeah, so he's announcing that he's leaving. He's the energy. The you know reason he gave was like, look, I just put so much of my life into this. I'm gonna, I just need a one year sabbatical, and I'm not gonna coach again in England. And he's not that old either, right? No, he's like 57. Okay. But you know he wants to step away from the game. I respect it. I don't want to even pry any further because I respect him and just you know everything that he's already given. It's already been so generous. But um, yeah, it was devastating. But also I found out it was like he said that his him and his whole team and the players have already known since like November. And they've kept it under their hat for, like, over a month now, which I feel like in the modern, like, sports landscape, to keep this big of news quiet for an entire team for two months is just kind of incredible. Yeah. Um, it shows how much respect that the, the, the players and everyone involved in the organization have for, for Jurgen. But uh, Jurgen, he's still going to manage the rest of the season, and okay. Liverpool's in four competitions, so hopefully we get all four for Jurgen. But, uh, yeah, man, just going to miss him, man. Great dude. Damn, that's, uh, yeah. that's tough. Lots Ooh. of exits this year. Oh, Derek, what's up? Derek's talking smack in the uh, mm. in the, uh, the group chat here. Oh, so what's you guys, he saying now? He, he said only only one prem in the uh, in eight and a half years overrated. Man, yeah. I mean, if it wasn't for City, they would have two more. Like, yeah. what could I say? They lost yeah. two by one point. I don't know. I, I just as, I just uh, I just assume Derek only cares about Porto <laughs> anyway, uh, or whichever top Portuguese team there is now. Yeah, as, as I said to you before the show, uh, Boja. Anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> wow, <laughs> on air. Right? I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, you can't get in trouble if you don't know what it means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, let's do a little. We'll throw a couple things at you here. Uh, okay, so um, the most. I guess like uh, bantery NBA news that'll okay. come out of this weekend is Ben Simmons might be back on Monday. Oh, I'm which, happy for him. Honestly, like, yeah, the expectations have dropped so low that like if he does anything positive, people will at least like. Are we are we ready to support Ben Simmons again, or is it still he's still like a meme kind of character? It's just he. There's not a lot. It's tough because like obviously he's been treated unfairly, and mm. like this is not the the best. Uh, example of how media and teammates and the league in general and the whole sure, cycle sure. treats a person, but also like it doesn't seem like he's done anything to help his cause at like any point. Like, is it just uh, is just just the cardigans? <laughs> I mean, it's I not like it's just that. But but look, man, Tyrese Halliburton can dress like an old timey reporter. Yeah, what's up with that? Why is Tyrese Halliburton? I don't know. He's biting Trey Kirby style. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Why is he dressing like a peaky blinder to every match? Yeah. I don't understand. Like, yeah, I don't. What's happening with him? Man? I don't know either. <laughs> Yo, Pascal, please ask your your new friend. No, pa- Pascal's gonna start showing up <laughs> no. like that too. Oh no, no Red Bull yeah, headband or the, no Red Bull hat. The spicy blinders. Maybe yeah. it's a Red Bull uh, blinder hat. You know, like. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, the peaky blinders. There you go. I'm just glad it was the the I was edited say, version, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not the uh, anyway. Uh, the Ben Simmons return is also like mildly interesting for the trade deadline because that's a, such a substantial contract. Sure. If they could make yeah. something work, how many with years it, are left on that? Thing? Only one more year after this year. Okay, so yeah. it's not it's not the right thing for the Raptors with all this flexibility that they've built. But Besides, some, don't even think about it. Someone could take a an off season flyer on Ben Simmons, get paid in assets to yeah. eat the forty million, and just see what's there. But uh, I don't think it'll it'll be relevant to that. Um, speaking of trade prices around the league, Jake Fisher dropped his latest at Yahoo Sports. Not a ton right now, as we talked to Mark Stein about, you know, the Kyle Lowry thing happened because the Heat needed to move. Mm-hmm. Not looking great the first couple games here. Um, yeah. But in general, things are probably going to grind down to the trade deadline now. Mm-hmm. So what we're hearing from Jake Fisher is, uh, first of all, Kyle Lowry is not expected to join the Hornets. Surprise. They're going to look for another trade home for him. And... This is going to feel a certain way if he's bought out. 
Philly is presumed around the league to be a possible uh, destination. Did you uh, get a him. sense that Kyle wanted to go home? I got the there sense was the, there that... There were rumors that the Raptors may trade him, for example. Yeah. I know people are like, oh, was Maxi ever on the table? I don't think so, but still. I don't like, think so either. Um, there was a talk at that time of, what do you go to Philly? And I don't know if he necessarily wanted to go home. So, And, and I also got time, the impression that Philly wasn't giving him the deal Miami was giving him. Yeah. And maybe that was the more important factor oh, than going home at that for point. For Kyle Lowry? Yeah, for sure. Kyle yeah. Lowry. But Sorry, at yeah. this point, maybe yeah. it's because you're getting your money for the year still. Mm. Um, so obviously some teams can't sign him because he makes too much money and, and yeah, the yeah. new restrictions and stuff. But Philly's in, in the clear for that. Um, elsewhere in that Jake Fisher piece, uh, hilariously, he says the Jazz are both a buyer and a seller which is uh, just amusing mm. to, to picture how Danny Ainge is going to, like the amount of leaks right. of all the trades Danny Ainge didn't make but almost made as both a buyer and a seller is going to oh, be really, man. like Danny Ainge is going to leak that he almost traded for Lowry Markin, even though Lowry Markin <laughs> is on his team. That's where this is uh, That's where this is headed. The only thing he hasn't done yet, yeah. Yeah, uh, and then relevant, more relevant to the Raptors situation, uh, Jake said that the, the current asking price on guys like Bruce Brown, Tyus Jones, Malcolm Brogdon, is at least the first. Meanwhile, the Lakers are believed to have offered uh, for DeJounte Murray. Yeah. Take the D-Low money, the D'Angelo Russell money. He's, he still has a contract for next year, so you yeah. have to take on an extra year. Uh, that 2029 first they can offer and a pick swap. That's not bad because I think they can probably rope in a third team. Maybe. And to take D'Lo because I don't He's think they're well, but He has he, been balling. But, but we also know who D'Lo is. At this yeah. Point, right? I mean, the Lakers are interested in DeJounte. I mean, that's kind of interesting to me just because, like, I feel like the Lakers' backcourt is just not athletic at all you know it's like yeah. e- even if Gabe Vincent gets healthy again which we haven't seen him for, we haven't seen seven for much of the year uh but it's like Austin Reeves D'Angelo Russell like yeah I don't know like I think Murray even though he's not as good defensively this year as he had been in the past like still would be interested to see what he's got especially for that Lakers team and um is he a clutch guy too I don't know I don't is think so. Murray a clutch guy well, I'm thinking who, he's isn't a clutch a, guy. who isn't a clutch guy at this uh, point honestly I'll but, tell you in one second yeah. I oh, mean, he is a clutch guy, yeah. There you go. <laughs> there, wow. Uh, what a surprise. But I, I think the other part, too, is, um, you know, I think for, yeah, for Kyle, like, where do you actually want to see Kyle end up? Like, you know, we obviously love Kyle, and yeah. Philadelphia is clearly one of the options, but I don't know if, like, I would love to see Philadelphia so, with Kyle Larry and Nick Nurse. This <laughs> answer is would cheese me so much. awkward given the history of the Raptors, uh-huh. but I think the Knicks is my answer. They need a backup okay. point guard. Oh, OG's there, okay. so we're already tuned into Knicks games and uh-huh. watching. And while they've been like kind of a Villanova. ha-ha rival for... Yeah, Villanova too. Yeah. And while they've been kind of a ha-ha rival for the Raptors, there's no actual like competitive animosity like there is with... Like I think Raptors fans would struggle to root for Philly, Milwaukee, or Boston to win. Yeah. or And probably even Cleveland. The, the Knicks winning like does nothing Ooh, to I me. Like, like I don't want James yeah. Dolan to be happy. But if it made Kyle Lowry and OG Ananobi happy and made the Knicks even more of a threat to take out teams like Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston, I think I oh, could get man. there. Yo, I, I'm really happy you, you said that. I, I, that's actually my number one pick. Now. Okay. I mean, I, I would prefer for him to go to any place that gets him a possibility to yeah. play and win for a championship or whatever. But, like, that's good. I, yeah, wow. Hmm. Lot to think about. It's like him yeah. or De- uh, Deuce McBride. Deuce McBride, yeah. Deuce McBride is a sick NBA name. That's a good that name. Uh, Sounds like a like a yeah. Anyway, like a movie kind of like sports movie character. Yeah, yeah. that's a good good pull. Uh, all right, time now for between the lines. Yes. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Haven't been a lot of these this week because the Raptors aren't playing. Um, they are eight point underdogs at home 
Over under set at 235.5. If you missed it yesterday, Emmanuel quickly will not play tonight. He suffered a, a thigh bruise in the Memphis game. He was trying to work through it. They're just going to give him a little bit more time with it. Jakob Pertl, while he has been participating more in practice, he's still out for tonight. Uh, Marquise Noel is technically with the 905, but he's dealing with a hamstring strain that could threaten his availability for the G League All-Star game, which sucks. Uh, on the Clipper side, Zubats remains out. Uh, Musa Diabate remains out. And Paul George is questionable. A late add to the injury report. He's been dealing with intermittent groin soreness. Okay. And that's flared up again. Um, I don't have any inside information on this. But if you are heavy, heavy favorites in a game against a bad team missing two starters and one of your most important players who has a history of injury is questionable, just play it safe. Yeah. I mean, is part of that me trying to hope this is a not a 20-point game? Perhaps. So I think with the Clippers, um, sometimes, and maybe I'm thinking about last year when the Clippers came to town. And the Clippers did beat the Raptors last year when they came to town. But I was watching that game and I was like, damn, this team is a veteran team. They're clearly built for the playoffs. And they're just not playing hard tonight. Like <laughs> There were multiple moments where Kawhi would get a steal. And if he pushed all the way, he probably would get a dunk. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to slow up on the fast break. You know what I mean? And so I, I just felt like there were certain times when they weren't matching up that great. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, even look at the last beating, know, right? Man. It was like the Raptors played like a, such a spirited game. Mm-hmm. We all came away from it so encouraged. And the Clippers were just like, yeah, cool. we're going to win this now. Yeah, Kawhi's like, oh, you're double to me. I'm going to drive around both of you and dunk the ball. And then Paul George's going to hit a clutch three. And James Harden's going to do his thing too. So, by the way, since since the initial bad start with Harden, yeah. they're 25-7. and seven. They mm-hmm. have the number one offense, the mm-hmm. number 11 defense. And only Oklahoma City Thunder, Thunder have a better net rating in that time. Yeah, They are mm-hmm. above average to elite in every single category except defensive rebounding and forcing turnovers where they're only average. Their biggest weaknesses are their only average at those two things. Mm -hmm. Also, they are now north of 40% on threes. Uh, In the modern era, so minimum 23 points, three-point attempts per game, Mm -hmm. where do you think that ranks for a team three-point percentage for a season? 40.1%. In the modern era? I mean, there are probably some teams maybe back in the day that shot threes more selectively. But But yeah, so I'm saying 23 point a game, three-point attempts a game minimum. Mm. So this takes us like back to 2007-ish maybe. Well, speaking of 23 threes, I mean, God, that's how that's exactly how many the Raptors attempted the other game against yeah. the Grizzlies. So we might be in 2007 as well. But uh, I'm going to say top five. Top it five. is fourth. Okay. Uh, so number one is the 15-16 Warriors. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Number two is the 9-10 Steve Nash Suns. Okay, and number three is the Clippers a couple years ago. Yeah, the Clippers have been a really good jump shooting team. Yeah. I mean, since, you know, they've got Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, they're yeah. so lucky. Luckily, uh, you know the what? Raptors without quickly have loads of three-point shooting too, right? Uh, I, I want to go with the Raptors, but I think I'm going to go with the Clippers, man. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's a big line, but I mean, I yeah. don't know, man. But I would love to see the Raptors keep it close, keep it spirited, maybe even steal the win. I, I always want to stick it yeah, to the Yeah, give Clippers. us a Friday night, man. Give us a Friday night. Give Kawhi a Send huge Lawrence cheer. Send Lawrence Frank home unhappy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, that Lawrence- was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Take a chance. Uh, uh, sorry, you're going to take a Lawrence Frank shot on the way out here? Uh, yeah, Lawrence Frank was also eating crushed uh, instant noodles <laughs> as he was camping out, <laughs> squatting in Scotiabank Arena, yeah. uh, tampering for Kawhi Leonard. Um, how do you think Norm's going to do, man? There was a chance that Norm was going to, like, potentially, like, we kind of ran the idea that Norm was going to call into the show. Yeah. Didn't actually happen. It's all right. It's all good. We talked about Charmander instead. Yeah. Uh, I, I bet Norm is a Pokemon guy. He strikes me as a Pokemon guy. It probably. Do you think Norm is going to do a, 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 a an undershirt swap with Jonte Porter after the game? <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'd be nice to see Norm have a have a good game. Like, like it's uh, you don't want to see it against your team, I guess. 
But like, I love Norm's role in the Clippers. I, I obviously we watch a lot of the Clippers because they're such a good team. They're such a fascinating team, and I feel like I've brought it up like a dozen times on the show this year. Just how unbelievable a fit Norm is with that group coming off the bench and just spacing out around those guys. Mm-hmm. All this, the the threes he gets, and then his ability to attack those closeouts with all the space that those guys yeah. provide. He's just such a awesome fit with those guys. It's really cool to see him having so much success still in the same style that he had success in Toronto years later. It is so cool to me because especially knowing where Norm came from and what he came into the league as, like the fact that he's like getting featured minutes on a team that has four future Hall of Famers on it, guaranteed, is pretty sick to me, man. It's it's never not cool to me to see Norm succeed and one of the great guys around the league as well. So we'll see what happens tonight. Kawhi. 45.3% on threes this year for Norm. Kawhi, play hard for us tonight, please, man. <laughs> I just want to see Pete Kawhi, even if it's not... Uh, for the Raptors anymore. But anyway, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Wolu. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure to find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please write and review the show. Thanks once again to co-host Blake Murphy, producer Mark Boffo, Daniele Franceschi, our board producer Derek Brandeo, a.k.a. Derek Brandown, and uh, Jennifer Rolnick, David Sis, Jared Manitai for helping me behind the scenes. Big thanks to... Dan Devine for joining us as well and uh, to all of you for sending in questions and we'll be back next week 